everyone. Today is Monday, February 12th, and the public safety meeting is now called to order. We begin to acknowledge that the land on which we gather, and that is currently known as the city of West Hollywood, is the occupied, unceded, seized territory of the Gabrielino Tungva and Gabrielino Critz people. And now for the Pledge of Allegiance, um, Commissioner, will you please lead us? If everyone will stand and place their hand over their heart, please, their right hand. Commission Secretary, may I please get a roll call? Commissioner Blau? Aye. Commissioner Ramian? Present. Commissioner Freiberg? Here. Commissioner Nickel? Here. Vice Chair Saltzman? Here. Chair Hallman? Here. Um, please note that Commissioner Harrison is absent this meeting, and we have a quorum. Great, thank you. Uh, item four is the approval of the agenda. Are there any changes to tonight's agenda for February 12th. Okay. Uh, do I have a motion to approve the agenda? Move to approve the agenda. And do I have a second? Second. second. Great, thank you. Commission Secretary, may I please get another roll call? Commissioner Blau? Aye. Commissioner Ramian? Aye. Commissioner Freiberg? Aye. Commissioner Nickel? Aye. Vice Chair Saltzman? Aye. Chair Hallman. Aye. The agenda is approved. Great, thank you. Item five on the agenda is approval of the minutes. Are there any changes to the minutes from our January 8th meeting? Commissioners? Everyone good? Can I get a motion to approve? Move approval. And can I get a second? Second. Great, thank you. And Commissioner Secretary, can I get a roll call? Commissioner Blau? Aye. Commissioner Ramian? Aye. Commissioner Freiberg? Aye. Commissioner Nickel? Aye. Vice Chair Saltzman? Aye. Chair Hallman? Aye. The minutes are approved. Great, thank you. Uh, item six on our agenda, um, public comments. Commissioner Secretary, do we have any comments in chambers this evening? Yes, we have two public comments this evening. First one is Nicholas Roybal. If you want to approach the podium, you'll have three minutes to speak. Okay, and also while we're waiting for Nicholas, come forward. Um, do we um, also have any comments in Zoom, just so I'm prepared? We have no Zoom comments this evening. Okay, great, thank you. Evening, commissioners. Uh, first, I want to give thanks to our Sheriff's Department, to Captain Mulder, to Lieutenant Lapkin, to Sergeant Duran, and to all our women, men, and people in uniform that serve and protect us on a daily basis, including this evening. So thank you all. Which brings me to this moment. We have a problem. Safety in East West Hollywood, it seems, is taking a dive. Vacant lots are a problem. And we are approaching the threshold of tolerance for the crime 
and the events and circumstances that surround our vacant lots. Specifically, I will speak to where I live, on Ogden, between Romaine and Willoughby. Last Friday, as you all know, um, there was an incident that occurred on North Genesee Ave with an unhoused person possibly setting fire arson to a vacant property. Well, hours before that, at 909 Ogden Drive, which is right next door to where we live, 915 Ogden Drive, there were unhoused members in that vacant lot defecating and by some residents allegedly overheard to wanting to commit arson. That was hours before the incident at Genesee occurred, um, where sheriffs had to respond, whatnot. So we have, an, in, we have this problem with securing our vacant lots, which leads me to my ask for this. Can we please check in with property owners of our vacant lots and make sure they are secure? What is that mechanism for enforcement looking like and the transparency of, here's the important part, letting the residents around those vacant lots know what is happening with the security of those vacant lots? Because right now, it's up to residents to enforce that security. It shouldn't be that way. Moving forward, I've also realized there is no neighborhood watch south of Santa Monica Boulevard on Ogden, which, well, as <laughs> uh, Lieutenant Lapkin was like, well, Nicholas, do you want to lead that charge? Which, possibly, Jenny and I could be co-captains, possibly. Um, and also moving forward, how can we disseminate information to our Eastside residents' apartment units about the sheriffs, uh, Danny Revis, the manager of public safety, get that to our residents in our apartment units in the East West Hollywood area? Thank you. Great, thank you. Thank you, Nicholas. Um, next speaker is Michael Vojkolevich. If you want to approach the podium, you'll have three minutes to speak. Michael Vojtkovich, City of Les Hollywood. Good evening, Public Safety Commission. I'm so sorry. It might be 2024, but I still get a chuckle every time I state the name of this commission. Wow. Yet another blockbuster agenda. I wonder if you can all handle it. With that, I'm going to start with the learned news that current commissioners and advisory board members were granted tours of the West Hollywood Community Housing Corporation recently. This is highlighted because during my five-year tenure as a member of the board of directors for WHCHC, I was consistently denied tours of the buildings. In fact, I believe this request was my second question ever asked to the board. The first being how a code non-compliant multi-family building was ever granted a certificate of occupancy when there are life safety violations. This is but one example for how WHCHC, with the blessing of this city, 
its council body, its constituents of those, a large percentage from the gay community, will dehumanize certain individuals, especially those who hold higher education and are disciplined in a field where the failings for this city are easily visible, understood, and called out. On the subject of dehumanization, and to the previous speaker, I once tried to start a neighborhood watch meeting south of the boulevard, mainly around the Sierra Bonita area. And what I was confronted with was lies from the fire department, no answers, no support from this city. I recently learned that there was a little fire on Sierra Bonita. We've had many fires in that neighborhood, including the northeast corner of Gardner and Romaine. In 2023, I have come before this board and I have consistently asked for block-by-block -block ambassadors to walk this portion south of the boulevard, essentially from Martell to Fairfax. And still, to this day, February 12th, 2024, I have never seen one single ambassador. It is clear who gets the focus, who gets the attention, who gets the little special gloves. You know, it's shameful. Public safety doesn't exist south of the boulevard. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. There are no more comments, public comments in chambers. Um, then we are going to move. I just want to make sure the gentleman sitting on the front row didn't want to speak as well. Well, if I can, <laughs> I would like to. Yes. Uh, the thing is that, first of all, Hi, everybody. Um, <clears throat> uh, this is the personal question of me and my family, basically my mother. Uh, I'm not feeling safe in my building because, you know, nobody cares. We don't have management. We don't have management on site or whatever. Nobody appears. We don't have security. Last week, my storage was broken and uh, some valuable things were stolen, which, I'll, which I can't get back, because <laughs> they don't sell. And, uh, you know, a lot of amenities broken in the house. Well, our house, it's 7111 Santa Monica Boulevard, the dealing, I think, you know. It looks abandoned. I was, when I've been last time in City Hall, I was said that I should ask for reducing the payment in half, like to 400 bucks, but I didn't find anyone who will take this application or whatever. So I'd like to find out if we can do something with this because nobody cares. We live like how we can. What are we paying for? Nobody knows. That's the question. Thank you much. Yeah. Thank you. 
Um, item seven on our agenda is unfinished business. Um, we do not have any unfinished business to discuss. So moving on to item eight, new business, um, our monthly report from our fire department. Well, good evening, Drew Smith, Los Angeles County Fire Department. I'm the Assistant Fire Chief. See a few new faces, so I just want to introduce myself. So my responsibilities are Fire Chief for West Hollywood. I have monthly reports for December and January. To start that off, um, your West Hollywood fire stations are averaging still at 20 runs of shifts, so relatively busy. Uh, we're maintaining a healthy workforce, and um, I'll go through the combined data that I have for December and January. So we had a total of 18 fires. We had a total of 890 uh, medical runs and 231 required advanced life support and 436 required basic life support. We had zero hazardous materials hauls. We had six, ha or excuse me, 12 hazardous condition calls. We had 26 uh, service calls and good intent calls were at 283. And as you know, I like the good intent calls, because that means people are paying attention. They're calling because they have something that's, um, that needs law and fire to come and look at to uh, stabilize uh, whatever the nature of the emergency may or may not be. So I really appreciate the involvement from the community who calls 911 so we can go out there as efficiently as all possible to evaluate and mitigate if needed. <clears throat> uh, with the fires, uh, we did have two fires that, uh, within a structure, uh, one of those being um, at the uh, 1200 block of Fairfax, and that was, um, <clears throat> it was a fire in a bedroom on a one-story, um, and the fire cause was electrical. And it did have some pretty significant damage to property and contents, but the swift action by your firefighters kept it um, really contained, which, which is very good because that's what they're trained to do, of course. And the second, which was uh, middle of the, the month last month on 7500 block of Hampton, and that was smoke from the first floor of the apartment building. That was also electrical fire started in the kitchen of one unit, and then um, we had to displace several people. Uh, so we have that infrastructure in place. Anytime that we do have a fire, I communicate that immediately once I have the information after my firefighters and my command staff is stabilizing the incident. I communicate that with uh, Danny Rebus, and so that information get out there so we can make sure that we have that support network in place for any of the occupants uh, that may need to be displaced or need additional help. As far as the rubbish fires, I talk to this every time I'm here. They're going to continue to happen. People throw out the word arson. <clears throat> arson is very challenging to convict. And one reason is, is we have to have a potential suspect. We have to have them caught in the action. And then we need to go through the process of conviction. 
And so with our law partners, we have that in place, but with the um, amount of people within West Hollywood, whether they live here or they're transient, we have a lot of those circumstances. And I also talk to the outdoor fires. They all start small. They all have compounding components to them that they all start small, but have the potential to get into structures and commercial occupancies where people live and work. So we know we have a high vulnerability for that in West Hollywood. And so with your law partners, your fire agencies, we're in the neighborhoods all the time. We get there quick. But it's a challenging area to work in uh, because of the makeup of West Hollywood. And so just knowing when I see that these two significant fires that had significant potential and the extent of the damage and um, is, I don't want to say minimal, it was extensive, but we have a lot more challenges and complexity to those incidents that could be. So, and I know that I talked to a lot of folks in West Hollywood and they're very appreciative of their fire department. I just want you to know, and the citizens and residents of West Hollywood, that we appreciate the support that you give us because that feedback's important. So that's all I have. I'll leave it uh, to you for any questions. Great. Um, Commissioner Blau and Chief, can you just pull your microphone in a little closer? I can. Sometimes I can project pretty loud. Go, Whoa, easy. <laughs> Too much coffee today, Trusky. I get it. Yeah, okay. All right, thank, thank you. you. <clears throat> Go ahead, Commissioner. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Captain Smith. I have a question about the electrical fire. Um, do we know what caused it uh, directly, the electrical fire? Because uh, obviously electrical fires could come from, you know, uh, disrepair or an overloaded circuit or even, um, you know, just, just a happened short on a wire, especially in a kitchen. If we're talking about, like, GF... GFI, GFI outlets correct. not working, correct? So do we know what, what caused this? Because that gives no. me personally anxiety. Right, so uh, I don't know the direct cause. So we know that it was electrical fire. So we don't know one thing. Could it have been a malfunction from an appliance? Don't know. Could it have been from an overloading circuit? Don't know. Those are hard to deal with if they don't track all the way back to possibly the circuit panel. That we know we had a failure within that wall socket that could be have been triggered by um, possibly an appliance. Mm -hmm. So depending, you have to remember that with some of the older construction in West Hollywood, the microwave wasn't invented yet, okay? So some perspective was when we start putting appliances within our house to make it uh, comfortable, sometimes they can get overloaded. And sometimes there is just accidental failures that happen in appliances that happened, but to answer your question long, I don't know, but I could look into um, if they know the exact cause of what happened on electrical fire, but usually we don't dig too deep into that. We just know that it was an electrical uh, uh, malfunction of some sort. Okay, thank you. And are there yeah. any tips that you can share with the community about how they can prevent their residences from uh, uh, electrical fires or um, any other tips? I can. Share? Smoke detectors in every uh, living corners for early detection. And also remember for your extension cords, they're for temporary use only. So there gets to be a lot of creativity that goes on there in the household. So just remember that your extension cords, when you're plugging multiple, multiple components into that, could overload that circuit, that wiring, depending on how many amps it's willing to support. So just when you start putting 
multiple appliances or fixtures into a multi-strip um, or an extension cord that you can have a potential to overload that circuit. So it's nice to have those GFIs, as you mentioned, in the kitchen and bathrooms is where it's required. And also, if it has a two-plug outlet, there's room for two fixtures to go in there and appliances rather than um, using it to plug an extension cord in that now gives you the ability to operate potentially several that can overload and cause failure. All right, thank you. Um, in terms of, one last question, in terms of the uh, once every three years, I don't know what the right phrase is for that, but the fire prevention inspection that the, mm -hmm. the county does or the, the, the fire department does, what is the scope covered by that? What, what do they look for when they go to any of the multifamily dwellings? So there's different components of that from a station um, occupancy inspection or fire prevention based upon the type of building it is. So for your engine companies to do residential, we're looking for smoke detectors in a room and serviceable fire suppression systems, which may be, um, if it has a kitchen, the hood system needs to be done every six months, or um, your fire extinguishers if they're outside, that they're serviceable and they've been, are in one-year compliance. So on our multi-occupancies, it's going to be smoke detectors. We're also looking for panic hardware, making sure there's no um, exits are blocked or locked that shouldn't be. We look at the staircases for egress and those smoke detectors, fire extinguishers in the home. Great. Thank you very much. You're Thank welcome. you for your report. Um, Commissioner Nickel. Thank you, Chair Hallman. Assistant Fire Chief Smith, thank you for your report. Um, so I did just have a question about uh, the fire that occurred on Friday, this last Friday at 1013 North Genesee. Mm -hmm. Are there any details um, that you can that you can provide? So, if I recall, and I'll have to ask Danny, this is the one, the pallet fire? Is that the one that was the pallet fire? Yeah, it was an outdoor pallet fire. Um, so nothing specific besides that it was a pallet fire outside, um, so I have nothing to say how it was started, just that your West Hollywood firefighters responded there was a pallet outside and it was limited on an, any extension anywhere. So I don't have any, uh, Commissioner Nickel, any specifics on that. If I had it, I would tell you. But truthfully, if we don't see something that's happening, somebody fleeing, we deal with the outdoor fire. Um, make sure that it's extinguished and doesn't have any potential to, of course, transition anywhere else. So, Well, it, it's good that you caught it and that it didn't spread, mm -hmm. that it was contained. Uh, yes, it is. Um, and then seven of the nine fires reported in the, in the different incidences um, were rubbish fires. Is it the same thing again? Um, is it people trying to stay warm and starting a fire for that? Can you characterize them? So... Not necessarily. There is a um, significant amount of those fires um, that are by mistake. We have a lot of dumpster fires because sometimes one person throws in something, somebody throws something else, you could have something that has a reaction, we could have something just out of pure carelessness or mistake. So it's very hard to detect if it was intentionally set. But <clears throat> West Hollywood is not unique on the amount of outdoor fires. We get a lot of them in the county of Los Angeles, especially in the urbanized area. We get a lot of them. 
and, and I've talked about this year after year after year, month after month after month, it really concerns me. But, once again, with the actions of law, your block by block, and us, it, that's, we don't have some more consequence behind them because of early detection, and people are calling. Which is like, good. It is good. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, sir. Uh, Commissioner Aramian. Uh, thank you. Good evening, Assistant Chief. Uh, thank you for your report. Um, I just have uh, two questions. Yes, sir. Uh, in regards to the rubbish fires, I do see that rubbish fires are the main uh, source of these fires. Most of these dumpsters in West Hollywood, as far as I see, some are locked, some are not locked. Are the dumpsters in our city supposed to be locked? So it's not accessible for the unhoused or scavengers to prevent fires from starting? So <clears throat> for trash areas, there is a fire code for that. If there's, I don't believe that there's a city ordinance for locked dumpsters. So a lot of the homeowners, landowners um, tend to manage their trash control, not just for fires, so everybody goes, oh, here's a free dumpster, I'm moving out of my apartment, and they fill somebody else's dumpster up. So they're, where the location of the dumpsters are, there is fire code in respect to that, but as far as locking, the answer's no. Because in my neighborhood, when I walk my dogs, I see, I would say about 60% of the dumpsters are locked, and, and the rest of them are not. Um, is that something that we could look into, uh, Danny, uh, Director Rivas, to see if, you know, anything to help prevent more fires, if it's something that the property owners can do, because Athens will have to have access to that. I know Athens does offer locked uh, dumpsters at an additional charge, I believe, or I know they charge businesses additional charges. I don't know if that's something that they will offer uh, property owners for the dumpsters. Do you know? I do, so thank you for the question, Commissioner Ramamian. So, Danny Rivas, Director of Community Safety for the City. Um, so, I don't, I know you mentioned 60% and maybe you're in your neighborhood, that seems pretty high. Um, I, I would say just in general, throughout the community, it's far less than that. Um, for operational purposes, um, Athens, who's our uh, contracted waste hauler, um, typically does not place any sort of locks, but to your point, um, that is an additional uh, minimal charge for commercial businesses or even for residential properties, um, apartment, multifamily, right, uh, complexes. If they are having issues, then that is the first thing that absolutely is offered to them, um, but it isn't required. Um, it's something that's, you know, offered voluntarily, but it does take additional time for, um, you know, the waste haulers, right, when they're coming through their routes, uh, they have to get out, um, now they have to unlock. They absolutely do have um, keys. Um, they are the ones that provide the locks specifically uh, for those uh, properties that do have locks. And so it's not a, a city ordinance. Um, it's, it's not something that um, hasn't been discussed before it has um, in terms of that, but um, really the, the city's perspective and position um, has been to kind of allow, right, that particular property owner, uh, commercial or residential to kind of choose and elect to do that, but but it is an option uh, for folks. Uh, thank you. Um, and the other question, just out of curiosity, uh, uh, Chief, is I noticed that you guys um, installed, or you guys didn't install, but um, a fire signal right outside Station 8. 
Um, it was good to see that. You know, I live just a block from the firehouse, and I know how difficult it is to back back into the station with the vehicles not giving you guys the, the right of way. Has that been fully operational yet? And if it is, uh, I haven't seen it. If I'm missing it, or when will it be operational? Um, we're very happy to have that. So. Oh, is it operational? Is it up to run? Do we flip the <laughs> it's, switch it's, yet, Danny? It's not. It's not yeah. up. And, yeah. um, and so, yeah, there is a, a delay right now that we've been dealing with uh, as it relates to um, Edison, uh, Southern California Edison. And so, as you mentioned, everything is, is installed, uh, you know, and ready to go. But um, until we have Southern California Edison um, actually uh, place uh, the power and do, uh, you know, what it is that they need to do to kind of service that uh, traffic signal. Um, we're at their mercy um, right now. And so we continue to follow up um, with them. And so we'll definitely put in requests and we know how important that is to, to get that up and running uh, for our fire station aid. So and we want to thank you for that because that was that's huge for us. And so I want to use the term traffic friction. There's a lot of friction that goes on with compared to driving 15 years ago. So now with iPhones, big screens on thing, there's a lot of friction that goes on when people are driving. So that signal is gonna significantly, we have a lot of near misses on Santa Monica Boulevard and, and Station 8 um, when your firefighters need to back uh, at 50 foot tiller truck back into the station and for all the apparatus that comes out of there. It's going to be really, really nice for us. So we really appreciate that support for putting that in. It was, uh, it was a task for us all to get it done. So we appreciate that um, effort that you put in for us. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Freiberg. Hello. Good evening. Thank you for your report. Um, I actually don't have any questions for you. I wanted to direct my question to Director Rivas. Um, since all of these vacant properties seem to be a big problem, a great concern for a lot of our residents, I mean, it's a scary thing, especially if you have mobility issues and, you know, you have a vacant lot next to you. You can't just run out of the house if someone lights it on fire. So I'm just um, putting that out there. But I was just wondering, has there been any change in policies for the city, the way that you're handling any procedure changes since all of this has been happening, and it's obviously a great concern for our residents. Um, I wouldn't say any policy changes. Um, the city um, has it has a vacant property ordinance that's in place um, that allows our code enforcement staff the ability to address uh, problematic vacant properties. Um, is this something new, or is this something we already had to begin with? Uh, this is not something new. Yeah, so policy has not changed. That's Nothing something has that's changed. So the policy is currently in place. Um, so nothing has changed in regard to policy. So when I hear policy, I'm thinking of municipal code changes. Let's see um, proactive steps. So this, so this concern, you know, so something like this doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. So our code enforcement team um, is continuing to inspect uh, problematic properties um, to, you know, the best of their ability. And so they're obviously continuing to focus on uh, those properties that have been brought uh, to their attention uh, by the community and also being as proactive as, as possible. Um, and so they will continue to kind of go through that administrative compliance process following what's uh, been adopted and what's reflected in our municipal code currently. So then how many times would they visit a property if they hear about it? Like um, let's so say the one Michael is talking about. 
How many times would they go out and check that out? When you, you say inspect. Yeah, I'm sorry, who, you said Michael? Michael, in the back. Okay, I, I don't remember exactly which, which property that, that he referenced, um, but uh, you know, it See, depends. Say any property in general. You said that they come out and they, they inspect it, so I'm just wondering how often they would go out and inspect the property. Yeah, so it all depends on what stage and what category that property falls into. If they're getting repeated calls, that could be something that's done on a weekly basis, maybe even more frequently. Um, if there's a trespassing and stuff of that nature that's being reported, um, then code enforcement staff will work with our West Hollywood Sheriff Station as well. Um, if it's something that's a, a vacant lot or maybe there's not a structure and they're not getting as frequent calls, but it does fall under the definition of a vacant property, then that could be uh, inspected once a month, once every two weeks, once every three weeks. So it all depends on the type of property and the reports that are being uh, received. So then you would say it's kind of up to the residents to make the call in to let you guys know, and then that would increase inspections. Um, so there are proactive inspections that are done, um, but if we are receiving reports, then it's up to the code enforcement team to certainly prioritize you know, more frequent inspections. And then I would assume they would tell the fire department about it? Um, about the, the fire inspections, if they see something or? Yeah, so the fire department is, is made aware. They're, they participate in the vacant property task force meetings that are held internally. Um, but in terms of addressing the issues that I'm hearing brought uh, forward um, this evening, uh, that's not something that the Los Angeles County Fire Department would be addressing. That's something that we would, code enforcement staff would be working in conjunction with the West Hollywood Sheriff Station um, because of the trespassing issue. And so that issue is dealt with specifically by our sheriff's deputies, not code enforcement officers, um, but on the administrative side of things in terms of having what's called a letter of agency on file, which gives deputy sheriffs the ability to access a property and even remove folks uh, from private property without the owner being present. Um, so those are some of the tools and some of the things that are mentioned in the vacant property ordinance. Um, if there are trespassing issues and we have evidence uh, of there being in fact trespassing, we have uh, fires, calls for service that are documented, we have calls for service that our sheriff's deputies are responding to, that they're having to remove folks from vacant properties, then all of that allows our code enforcement team to be able to issue orders that require on-site security, whether that starts off as a, a roving a security, whether that ends up being 24-7 on-site security, so it all depends on the situation. Um, so that, that's how those situations are handled. Okay, and one last question. How many vacant lots do we have? Do um, you know? I wouldn't be able to know off the top of my, my head right now. Yeah, I don't have that information. Okay, thank you. Can I weigh oh. in on that with you? So what is our role? Is we know with the communication we have with Danny's office is we know that we have a different set of challenges with with apartments or buildings that are either occupied or unoccupied and those unoccupied buildings that we know is gonna give us a different set of challenges because people that have a vacant building, they try to lock them as best they can. We know we're gonna have access problems. We don't know how many people are in there. So the communication we have with Danny's office and also the sheriff's that we know that we have this hazard. So we go and pre-plan for the what if or when. That's our role. And then if we have um, uh, incident there, that's when all three of us come together 
at the incident and then look at the approach after the incident. So proactively, we know that they're vacant. We're doing that communication uh, within the West Hollywood family, if you will, um, to help identify that what we'll call a target hazarded area. Okay, and do you know how many vacant lots we have? I do not. I do not. Um, Commission Secretary, do we have any comments in chambers on the fire? Yes, we do. We have one. Um, Michael Vojkalevich, if you want to approach the podium, you'll have three minutes to speak. Good evening, Commissioners and members of the public. Most importantly, Michael Vojkalevich, City of Les Hollywood. Commissioner Freiberg, long time no see. For someone who didn't have a question, I really appreciated your questions. So, I might be able to give a little bit more than what these, these, this person um, has, has stated. Given that this article from WeHo Times came out three days after your last meeting in January, I'm actually not surprised fire department report hasn't touched upon this. So here we go. I'm going to read verbatim from WeHo Times. City of West Hollywood claims that W.E. O'Neill, the contractor for phase one of the library, the West Hollywood Park, deviated substantially from the agreed upon terms during the installation of the sprinkler system. Alleged deviations include using a different system than specified, employing materials not in accordance with the plans, and failing to properly pitch the pipe to allow water flow. These deviations, according to the city, went unnoticed for years until leaks began to develop, resulting in water damage throughout the library. You know, this comes from your building and safety, your code inspection, your code compliance. Moving onwards, the city asserts that O'Neill's actions have led to pervasive corrosion and damage throughout the sprinkler system, exacerbating over time and causing ongoing harm to the library. The complaint alleges breach of the contract, breach of implied covenant, breach of express warranty, breach of implied warranty of fitness for a particular purpose in breach of implied duty to perform with reasonable care. This is this building that we're occupying right now, and this is not the only one. The building that I talked about, code non-compliant, multi-family for the disabled, mixed use, 7530 Santa Monica Boulevard, in the commercial level, the sprinkler system, the sensors were wrong. Above where the disabled lived the first year, we were terrorized because they had the wrong sensors and the life safety enunciators went off sporadically, leading to harm to me and my now deceased dog. Thank you. I'm Commission Secretary, any additional? We don't, we don't have any additional comments in chambers. All right, thank you. Um, Fire Chief, thank you. As thank always, you. it's great to see you. Please be safe. Appreciate the support. Um, item 8B will be our report from our block-by-block -block security ambassador program, the monthly report. 
Good evening, commissioners. Good evening. So for the month of January, we continue to see an increase over 2023 in terms of hospitality, business contacts, unhoused contact, um, and calls for service overall. But we did see a slight dip um, compared to December. The increased um, cold weather and rains saw a little less activity out in, uh, on the boulevard and throughout the, dis throughout the city. Um, the trend that we did notice increase was encampments, obviously, um, as folks are trying to get stay warm and, and seek shelter. We, we did encounter an increase in encampments, particularly around um, uh, bus stops on Santa Monica, closer to La Brea, as well as um, the pavilions uh, near Robertson. Um, that area in particular is a little tricky since there is an area right along Santa Monica where it's considered private property, but there's a little bit of like a enclave, you, you can call it, uh, where folks tend to kind of gather. And so working with um, Pavilion's private security and trying to keep that area clear, um, that's definitely a trend that we saw for, for January and even through February, we'll see that continue. We've seen it continue actually. Um, Crescent Heights is also an area that we con consider, you know, a high encampment area and we continually uh, remove folks from there, um, whether it's from the front facade of the building or in the parking area of the building. Um, so those are our major area, uh, major trends for, that we're seeing for December and continuing in, on in February. Um, Two items that I would like to report on that we've had great success with so far is our partnership with Be Alive. We were able to uh, hold two separate classes for a majority of our ambassadors during our morning and night shifts that encompassed a 90-minute training uh, per class uh, around Narcan, um, harm reduction, and the safe needle exchange. Um, I'm really happy to report that less than two weeks later after we had that, those classes, we were able to administer two doses of Narcan on separate situations in early February that led to the saving of the life of two individuals. I'll provide more details in, in February, but I, I did wanna highlight that as a great success for us um, as we continue to focus on training um, as much as possible, especially around Narcan, CPR, and um, and happy to report that sensitivity training that we've been talking about for the last couple of months will take launch in early March. Um, and so that would be a LGBTQ plus focused sensitivity training um, that we're looking to finalize and we'll, we'll start to implement in early March. Um, another area of focus for us has been social service referrals as we encounter uh, unhoused uh, within the city. Uh, we are making a concerted effort to make sure that we are doing our best to provide social service referrals to city providers. Um, I just had a meeting the other day with uh, the coordinator with uh, We Hold Cares, and uh, he was really happy to share that one of our social service referrals that happened in January ended up leading to getting someone housed. So. Um, we're really happy about that, and obviously the large footprint of ambassadors were able to touch a lot more of uh, the unhoused, um, and so we're really happy that that 
warm handoff, um, you know, led to the housing of an individual. So we're looking to really continue our focus around um, making sure that folks know what the social services are within the city. Um, in regards to the concerns around abandoned properties, I'll, I'll make sure to reach out to code enforcement, to veto at code enforcement, and even, um, you know, um, with, with the sheriff's department to see if there's any um, high-risk areas that we can pay particular attention to. Um, we know that there's a lot of vacant lots and there's only so much ground to cover, but we can definitely pay spe special attention to areas. And while we can't physically enter these properties, we can't be vigilant. We can be vigilant around, you know, if we see any sp suspicious activity and then escalating it to, to our sheriff's partners. Um, we are looking to launch the 24-7 um, bathroom program starting in April. So that is something that we're currently looking to staff. Um, we recently had conversations with um, the city in, in terms of, of launching that program. So currently we're working towards um, getting those position filled so that we can um, support that program. Aside from that, that is all I have to report. So I'd love to hear your questions. Great, thank you. Commissioners, do we have any questions? I have a quick question, okay. Chair. Go ahead, Commissioner Bob. Thank you for your report. One of the questions, I actually have two questions. My apologies. Um, the first question is, uh, is there a way that in the future we can include in this report some sort of like heat map of the deployment showing kind of where our ambassadors are walking around the city so that as, uh, you know, the community looks at that, we can say, oh, you know, obviously we're not going to not going to always see when someone's walking past. Mm -hmm. um, that way we can point and, and know if, uh, you know, areas that are of concern are getting uh, supervised a lot or a little. Um, that, would, that would be very helpful. And I actually lost my second question, so um, just that one. Yeah, so to answer your question, uh, we've actually been talking recently with, with Danny and Anita about... Um, providing heat maps, we definitely have the capability to do that. So you can see a concentration of, you know, where activity is with our ambassadors um, and really allows us to kind of tell the story of, of you know, our footprint within the city. So great. we're Thank definitely you. working on that now. Thank you. I think that'd be great to see. Um, I, I remember what my last question was. Um, what are the, what are the reasons for the inclusion of the seven calls at the end of the report? They seem, um, I can't, I can't tell the relation between them to any one, one instant type, or why this seven was selected to be included for the response times? Uh, we only had seven escalation calls to the sheriffs. These are escalation so the, this calls. is a total calls. And so what I try to do is um, I try to be more descriptive about w how we came to that call and then what it was about. Okay. Um, but I'd be happy to provide more detail. No, no, no that's good. So we only had seven escalation calls to the sheriff from block by block within the reporting period. Correct. Okay, great, thank you. That was good enough, I, I didn't know that. Thank you. That's my only question. Great, thank you. Um, commissioners, anyone else? Vice Chair. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you for the report, I appreciate it. Uh, just two reminders uh, or requests. Uh, I raised this once previously about six months ago. The reminder is to the ambassadors and your supervisors to obey traffic rules. Uh, it, it is frequent 
that I see and that people I speak to in my neighborhood tell me that they see ambassadors uh, riding bicycles on sidewalks in manners that are not safe. And the supervisors driving in the vehicles, uh, this is particularly Norman Triangle, not stopping at stop signs. Uh, and just a reminder that uh, that matters to us. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Comm Commissioner Ramian. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, again, thank you for your uh, report this evening. Um, and Commissioner Blau already um, asked the question I was going to ask as well, but I just want to expound on it if I can. So the response time that you guys list on here, the seven response calls, mm -hmm. um, these are only calls that were escalated that required the sheriffs to respond. Yes. Is there a way to get response, call, response times for the standard calls for most? I know there's a lot of calls that you guys do, and I don't know how you guys would uh, determine what calls to list on that, mm -hmm. but I would like to see also what the response times are for ambassador calls that are not escalated to the sheriffs. Um, so, so to clarify, um, Commissioner Ermain, um, for example, like to the fire department and or emergency services? Well, these response times, for example, call one, uh, proactive patrol. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm assuming an ambassador made contact and then had to escalate the call to the sheriffs. Correct. So, for example, if, you know, John's Bakery down the street calls the ambassadors, mm -hmm. I would like to know what the response time is for Ambassador A to go to John's Bakery and see what's going on. Is it 20 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, three minutes? Is there any way to see what the response times are for regular calls? So you're referring to ambassadors responding to calls of service and Correct. how long it's taking them to get there? Correct. I'd have to look into that further. Um, yeah, just to kind of uh, hop in too. I know it's something that we've discussed and yeah. you'll see that you always see it for like the sheriff's department. They provide an average um, in terms of response time. Um, you wouldn't be able to itemize because if you look at the volume of calls, um, it's a lot of manual work just looking at their smart system and database. Um, and so, you know, I know these calls, obviously, they're able to kind of drill down on the ones that they escalate to fire sheriffs, right? And then they look at those ones individually. But Erica could certainly, you know, talk with David, her vice president, uh, and see like if maybe the there's a way of kind of, you know, yeah. bulking them together and maybe mirroring something that you see like in the sheriff's department on the cover page. If you look at the crime stat every month, you'll see that first page kind of gives you the average. Maybe there's something you guys can kind of mirror, but I don't know how the system, the capabilities of yeah, doing that or not. Yeah, that's why you saw the hamster wheel in my head turning, like I'm trying to think how we can do that. I, I off the top of my head, I don't know if we have the capability of doing that, but I can certainly look into it. And like as Danny mentioned, that's something that we were or in talks already just to see, you know, um, the average response times, but we can definitely look into it for sure. Thank you. And, and Commissioner Ryan, you know what, and I am just wanted to hop in too with uh, Vice Chair Saltzman's earlier comment too. Um, I, I would, I think it's so important too for community members to know that if they are seeing um, ambassadors, um, you know, on a sidewalk, when they shouldn't be. Um, there are certain streets in our community that don't have bike lanes, so um, our ordinance does allow um, folks' bikes to be on sidewalks in certain sections um, of the community, but obviously there are sections where they shouldn't be, um, and obviously any sort of traffic-related right concerns. And so um, if they are seeing that, please report that. 
um, to the ambassadors, please report that to community safety as well, um, because then we can follow up. And if we know like the specific day or time, um, then right, then Erica and her team and her leadership team can look into, you know, who the ambassador um, was and, and be able to have a conversation um, and address whatever issues may, may be there um, as it relates to that. So I just wanted to make a comment on that too. What would be the best method for members of the community to get in contact and report such things? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, folks, if they wanted to call the city, um, community safety, they can email us at safety at weho.org. Um, and Erica, I'm gonna turn to you to see what would be the best uh, uh, number to contact block by block um, if that's an issue. The, the best number would be the WeHo, like our, our bid number where we receive calls for service. It's the 888-WeHo-BID. Uh, um, so they can call there and report that. And usually our team leaders or supervisors that you know are yielding calls are really good about letting me know like, hey, uh, you know, community member or resident reported this. And so um, if they list their contact info, I'd be more than happy to get back to them. Or um, they can email me directly at E-L-E-O-N at blockbyblock.com. I have one last uh, question. Um, based on the uh, the report that you uh, submitted, attachment 8B, it looks like the majority of the activity for the ambassadors happens on Santa Monica Boulevard mm -hmm. uh, compared to Sunset, um, Melrose Avenue. Um, do you know why Sunset isn't getting as much usage out of the block-by-block -block ambassadors as Santa Monica Boulevard is? Because you would think Sunset Strip, busy Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights, that the ambassadors will be just as busy as they are uh, in the Rainbow District or in Santa Monica Boulevard in general. So do you know if it's a, some outreach has to be done to the businesses, making contact with them, reintroducing them to the block-by-block -block program? Because uh, I would love to see that sunset figures uh, come up a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, we can always continue to improve on our outreach to the businesses, but from, from what I've seen since I've, I've uh, been managing the program, generally sunset, we really don't get very many calls for service. I know that obviously we have the kiosk up there and even the kiosk does not get very many um, folks stopping by you know, for hospitality assistance or anything of the sort. Um, and then a, a portion of that, sun, I mean, we're, you know, we're, this, the portion of the Sunset Strip that we are contracted to cover is so much, the footprint is so much smaller than Santa Monica Boulevard and the concentration of businesses, residents, clubs, and everything in between is a lot higher on Santa Monica. So that is partly the reason why you're gonna see a lot of that. Um, but we can always definitely look at, you know, what our business contacts look like and, and making sure that businesses out there know that they can contact us. From my conversations with our overnight supervisors on um, you know, activity on the Sunset Strip, a lot of the businesses there already have, especially because there are a lot of high-end venues and businesses there as well, like, like Melrose. Um, a lot of them already employ their own internal um, security, um, and so that helps us out. But we can definitely look into what, we can, what else we can do to um, make sure that we're making a bigger footprint there. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I have a question. Um, speaking of footprint, uh, do we know what the footprint is for coverage on south of Santa Monica um, around 
Ogden, say Curson, in that area? Like, does the team go, you know, Sierra Bonita, do they go oh. south of Santa Monica? So without having the map in front of me, but yes, of course, we go south of Santa Monica. Sierra Bonita, as you all know, we had a 24-7 um, kiosk there when after the fire was there. So that's definitely an area of patrol for us. Um, but I can look to see where the boundaries lie to see where that cut off. I don't have that in front of me, but I can definitely get that for you. Okay, great. Yeah. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, anyone else? Uh, Commissioner Secretary, do we have any questions in chambers? Yes, we have two comments. Um, first one is Michael Vojkalevich. If you want to approach the podium, you'll have three minutes to speak. Good evening, once again, Michael Vojkalevich, City of West Hollywood. After the fire after the fire. There was no kiosk after the fire on the thousand block of Gardner, just a block over from Sierra Bonita. You know, for a city that is now gloating about how much money it has, and I wanna say something positive, so let me just interrupt myself by saying how nice it is to have a speaker timer in this council chamber, whereas other venues where meetings are held, there is no such thing. Um, but um, for a city that's been gloating about its war surplus of cash, it leads me to believe that they're not hiring the right people. They're hiring people who are very good at giving excuses. I may be without a service animal that stood beside me for nearly 16 years in this city, but I am now on one of those evil, evil, evil scooters, those nasty little e-scooters. Point being, I get around faster on the individual blocks, again, from Martell to Fairfax. And I must apologize, I was in Vegas when that fire happened. You know, again, before that fire, I've never seen block by block, even though I've requested many times, in part in front of this commission. So when you get home or maybe tomorrow when you start your day, check your map, check your facts, but as a long-standing resident on the east side, I am telling you that I have, I have a problem with what you're stating because I believe it's not true. With the exception, I'll give you that, with the exception of the after the fire. You know, the house on Sierra Bonita, the house on the corner of Genesee, I mean, uh, um, Gardner and Romaine, they were there abandoned. They were issues of life safety for years. This is nothing new. This city is small. This is something that has been happening, not just in this millennium. And the fact that excuses, we're not sure, we're gonna have to check our little map, 
you know, you commissioners are the type who would actually accept such garbage. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Secretary, any other comments? Yes, Nicholas Robal, if you want to approach the podium, you'll have three minutes to speak. Uh, I'll keep it real quick. Uh, first, Chair Holman, thank you for bringing up um, coverage south of Santa Monica Boulevard. And Erica, uh, I do have a request for you. As a community leader, as a community advocate, as an action leader for the city strategic plan coming up, I do request that you map out block-by-block block patrols south of Santa Monica Boulevard from Fairfax to La Brea starting this evening. That's our request. Thank you. Thank you. Any additional public comments? We don't have any additional comments in chambers. Great. Thank you, Commission Secretary. Uh, thank you. I appreciate your time. I'm moving on. Item 8C will be our monthly report from our Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. Good evening. Good evening. So our, uh, our report this month is going to be a little bit condensed down for time's sake. We have some special presentations that we're going to be having for you guys today. So our general information, we're going to be condensing it down just a little bit and moving on to questions for you. Uh, for the month of January, West Hollywood Station personnel handled 1,594 calls for service, uh, 75 of these being an emergency response. Deputies made 43 felony arrests and 65 misdemeanor arrests uh, in the month of January. Our uh, part one crime for the month of January, we had 204 incidents that uh, fell into the, the categories of the part one. Um, part one by district, the West District, um, accounted for 58% of the part one crime with 119. City Center, 16% with 32. And our East End, 26% with 53. Uh, theft incidents continue to be the main factor for our part one crimes, grand theft, petty theft, vehicle burglaries. Uh, Pickpocketing incidents are on the rise. In January, we had 55 reported incidents. Um, several of these incidents report, were reported online. Our department is using an online reporting system that is available to report certain types of crimes. This system can be used for people who are not able to come to the station or have us respond to their location. We may start seeing an increase of some types of crimes with this convenience. People are making those reports online and they're finding it more convenient in turn where we used to see them not report these type of crimes because they didn't have time to come to the station or we didn't have time to get to them. Um, for January, our station volunteers donated 246 hours, included uh, duties such as the public counter, social media support, and assisting with the Rose Parade. Um, on February 2nd, deputies responded to the 8900 block of Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood for a person throwing chairs and items inside a location. He left that location and entered a bank that was less than a block away. Everyone inside the bank exited um, in fear, and the male inside um, stayed inside the location by himself. 
After lengthy, lengthy negotiations, the male complied to deputies' commands and was taken into custody without further incident. The male was charged with vandalism. Um, this incident was reported on local social media, and I figured you might have some questions regarding it if you saw it. Um, today we have Sergeant Matt Davis here with our Traffic Investigation Division. Um, he will be here to comment regarding some scooter-related incidents that you had questions about and any questions you have regarding scooters. Um, we are open to any questions that you may have now uh, regarding anything or in, in directly in regarding scooters. Thank you, Commissioners. Commissioner Nickel. Thank you, Chair Hallman. Sergeant Drum, thank you for your report. Um, and uh, welcome, Sergeant Davis. Thanks for coming in. Good evening. Um, scooters. So on the 29th of December, there was the incident where a person was hit on the sidewalk. They were hospitalized. Can you give us any update? Uh, was the person riding the scooter ever caught? So that's uh, been a pretty tough case because we came into it kind of after it happened. Um, the, everybody already had left, and so we've been kind of working backwards on it. He hasn't been identified. We have video, but we haven't been able to actually talk to the victim either. They don't, haven't wanted to talk to us about it. So we don't have a whole lot of information on the case, and so it makes it kind of challenging because we don't want to put out any public um, responses for it yet because we don't know if the victim wants that or not, and we don't want to do that until we've had a chance to talk to the victim. Um, so right now we're kind of up in the air. We don't have a whole lot of information regarding the, the case. Um, but he did stay. He did provide or talk to the fire department. He didn't leave. So right now we're not really treating it as a hit and run. Um, it could, if we got more information, it could potentially be a hit and run. But right now we're not treating it as a hit and run. Um, it's an accident and he did stay. But that's kind of where we're at with that. Okay, so if, if, the, if the victim is not cooperating or pressing charges, then it, it's sort of difficult for you to move forward. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at. We've contacted them uh, six, seven times, and they just don't want to talk to us or give a statement. The, I know she was severely hurt, and so there's a lot of injury there, and, um, and I know that they're going through you know, their own difficult times, so we're... We're keeping it open. We're trying to, you know, let them give them time to talk to us. But at a certain point in time, there's not much more we can do. So if you could identify the person, if charges were pressed, what could they be charged with? So there's a, a, an infraction code for writing on the sidewalk that we could cite them for, uh, potentially. And if they um, didn't have a driver's license, we can cite them for that as well. Uh, but the Hidden run-wise, I don't think that it would be there. I don't think we have enough to, to be there because he did stay unless he purposefully, you know, tried to get out of there, or, but we don't have any indications that that was really the case. Okay, thank you. Um, and then I did just want to follow up with uh, the last two meetings we discussed the burglaries that were happening over on Rangeley and Dorrington. You did arrest someone. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Was that person responsible? Have you been able to confirm that they were responsible for any of these other incidents? I know that our detective bureau is trying to see if there's a connection between any of the other ones, so I can't speak to whether or not they've made the connection, but I know for that specific day, he was connected to two other residents. So as far as any other 
uh, other residential burgs. I don't know if they made any connections with it. Okay. Um, and then any update on the public information officer? So I think, I don't remember what the uh, last month, I know that we had, um, they had past backgrounds and they were going through the medical and the psych. So um, like any other part of our department, we're very short staffed, so it's the hurry up and wait. Uh, but I know that we're, we're super excited because we are one step closer to getting our PIO. And um, I know that we have our volunteer and Sergeant Duran who are doing most of the social media, um, especially during the rainy storm that we had, we try to push out as much information as we could. Um, so we're working diligently to try and get them, but it's out of our jurisdiction, not jurisdiction, but it's out of our hands. It's, it's the department has different people to hire, so you have to go to the medical aspect and they have to go to the psych. But I know that the background portion of it is, um, is done. So I know that um, our operations lieutenant was supposed to follow up last week, but I didn't um, ask him whether or not what, what stage we were. But I'll make sure to have an answer for you. I can email yeah, so an answer. Basically, a person has been identified oh, as yes. being hired. Yes. You're just vetting them very thoroughly as we would hope that you would do. Yes, and they've passed their, their what we call the background portion of it, and I think they've been in the process for four months. Right. So it takes a little bit of time, and I know that they were short-staffed for, um, so just a basic understanding for our civilian personnel, there's a department for civilian personnel, and then there's a department for our sworn personnel. So both of them are short-staffed, so they're doing a lot less um, they're doing a lot more with a lot less employees. I mean, like anything else in our department, um, we're very short staff in every aspect of it, but I know that they're, they're working tirelessly to try and get not just our PIOs, but there's many civilian positions that, that were down. Great, thank you so much. And, uh, Commissioner Nicol, I just wanted to, to add to, to what Lieutenant Lapkin had mentioned. So um, the recruitment and the filling of the position that Lieutenant Lapkin is referencing, um, that is to fill one of our law enforcement technician positions at the station to serve on an interim basis as the PIO, but I don't want to confuse the commissioner, members of the public. The uh, public information officer positions, which there were two of um, that were approved by the city council, that would be in addition to what um, Lieutenant Lapkin is mentioning. So I just wanted to make mention of that. I didn't want anybody to think that the position that's currently in the progress in terms of being filled is filling one of the two public information officer positions that was approved by the city council. So those two PIOs uh, positions is still something that the city is working with the department on in terms of trying to fill. But in the interim, kind of the short term approach, right, is to have somebody filling one of those public information officer positions to help out uh, Sergeant Duran and Lieutenant Lapkin, right, on an interim basis through a law enforcement technician position assigned to the station. Thank you. I'm commissioners. Any other questions? Uh, Vice Chair. Thank you, Chair. And thank you for the report. Uh, helpful as, as it is every month. And I want to thank everyone in the Sheriff's Department for the work you do to keep us safe. Uh, it's a lot of hard work, and we appreciate it. I have two questions, uh, one regarding the monthly report and one regarding an audit of the West Hollywood Station from last year. First, regarding the monthly report, uh, in the past, we've talked on and off about traffic stops. And I want to commend the department because the department makes 
extraordinary amount of information available to the public about traffic stops, uh, including the nature of a stop, uh, the race identity of the individual stop, the reason for the stop, the outcome of the stop. And the data can be sorted so that you can display just West Hollywood data uh, down to as discreetly as down to two months. And I think that's very helpful. Um, it's on the website, as you know, it's on the website for the racial and identity profiling dashboard. And I'm wondering if the question is uh, whether it might be, uh, if you would think about including that data sorted for West Hollywood in the monthly report. Um, it is available online, but it's a little bit difficult to get to. It's a, uh, a lot of steps to get there. Uh, once you do, it's very rich set of data. So my point in raising this is really two. One, to remind my fellow commissioners and the public who might be listening that that rich data is available uh, and accessible. But second, to ask you, uh, Sergeant Duran and Lieutenant Lapkin, if you'd consider including West Hollywood specific data in the monthly reports, I think that would be helpful and promote transparency and accountability. Um, I don't expect you to answer right now, but to give you some time to think about it, I'm happy to talk to you about what I would have in mind if you'd like, if that would be helpful. Um, second, my question relates to body-worn cameras. Uh, specifically, there was an audit of the West Hollywood Station by the Sheriff's Department's own Audit and Accountability Bureau, which was published last August 22nd of 23. Um, and I just want to read one piece from it. Um, I'm not going to ask you to respond to it today, but I want to identify it. It says, although all personnel, 100% of personnel who use body-worn equipment are trained, there were significant issues with activation of the cameras when required, and issues with inputting required information consistently and accurately. And then there are a number of recommendations for the department and the station about how to respond to that. And so my request is that uh, you come back to us with a report uh, on the status of your response to the, the items in the audit. Does that make sense? No, that makes sense. But right. one thing I can I can actually address, uh, I have to look into the T-stops, the traffic stops, to see how we can um, okay. figure out that data. But I know on the body-worn cameras, we're, um, we have a watch commander who is actually doing them on a weekly basis, and any time we fall short of whether inputting that information or docking it, um, it's very specific to the deputy who's failed to do that for various reasons, so that's being addressed. So it gets sent to all the supervisors. So let's say somebody from our team fails to either tag, what they call tag the, the, the video, or um, attach it to, uh, what I mean by tagging is attaching it to a specific call for service, or whether it was a use of force, or whatever the information was, we get specific information um, within that 24 hours. So that supervisor is notified and then we address it with the deputy. So we're, um, I think last month we were 98% where we were um, close to 100, but I mean, we've, we've, we're, every day is, uh, is, 
is a challenge to try and remind the deputies. It's not, I don't think it's for malintent or malice. It's they forget to dock it or they forget to tag um, whatever video they have. But it is addressed uh, when it comes to our attention. Thank you. I, I appreciate that with respect to the inputting of the, of the data. Um, I'm also concerned about the first part of that, which is the failure to activate the cameras in the first place, which in the audit says there's a, it was 63% met the requirement, leaving a significant percentage that did not, and that's with respect to actually activating the cameras. So uh, I appreciate the response on the data, but I'd be interested in a response on the activation, activation. question. I can check on that too. Thank you very much. I appreciate no, it. No problem. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Um, I have a question circling back to the scooters. I want to make sure I didn't misunderstand you. I've never ridden a scooter. Uh, I'm not that, you know, savvy. I would probably kill myself. Um, do you need identification when you're putting your information into the scooter to rent them? Or I, I thought I want to make sure I didn't misunderstand you. Like. You said something about driver's licenses. The individual didn't have a driver's license. I just don't know what's required, or are they just open for anyone in the public? No, you you are required to have a driver's license to ride them. Uh, I don't know if they have to provide that when they rent them. I don't know what the process is for the company or you know what's in place, but you do have to have a, a driver's license. We've talked about different ideas, and education is definitely, like you said, you don't know that much about scooters. Most people don't. Is education to make sure everybody understands the laws and the rules. Uh, maybe even fixing signs on the scooters that says you're required to have a driver's license, which they might already. I, I'm not too sure. I don't know what the company does in regards to that. Okay. Um, Director Rivas, would you have anything to add regarding um, yeah, I've never ridden a scooter, so I'm probably the worst gotcha. person to ask. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I've heard um, that uh, there are some companies that require folks to kind of take a picture um, of it as they're creating their account. Um, and then I've heard that there's other situations where they're just asking uh, the person, right, as they're creating the account, um, do you possess a driver's license, right? And they click OK, and so they have that, right, on file, um, whether they do or they don't. So, But I'm just not certain on the specifics and which company does what. Is there a way to find out? Yeah, no, there is, yeah. I mean, we can certainly find out, and we can, we can send an email to the commission, um, you know, for the providers at least that are participating um, as a part of the, the pilot uh, program that the city has, we can certainly ask um, our long-range planning um, staff that uh, manage that program to give us some information on that. I'm sure they would have that. Okay, great. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Um, my other question, um, Sergeant Duran, I know you were looking into a situation that happened on Monday, February 2nd, that started around 4 a.m. at 12.12 North Formosa, um, a disruptive individual in the carport uh, screaming. I know I called block by block around 5, 425, and they happened to arrive at the same time as the sheriffs. I believe someone called the sheriff. So can you just give us um, any information on that particular call? Yeah, so we did receive a call as well. Our, our call came in around 3 o'clock in the morning. 
um, from another resident in the area um, complaining of two people arguing in that same carport. When the deputies got there, they did make contact with a person there. Um, it appeared that the person might have had some mental issues going on. Um, they tried to explain to him that he needed to move on. Um, I don't know that he particularly did for very long. It sounds like maybe he left and then came back. Um, they also did try to contact a responsible party or management at that location, but there was nobody on site at that time. You know, it's four o'clock in the morning, it's pretty early. Most people are, probably aren't gonna answer their phones. Um, we also checked our uh, files for LOAs and there was no LOA on file for that particular address where he was on property. Okay. Um, I did watch the situation unfold and I would tell you, I thought our deputies did a great job. Um, the individual did become a little more agitated when they arrived, but I thought they engaged with him well. Um, my memory is I did see them leave and he was still there. Um, so he did not depart. Uh, he eventually did drag a mattress in and I think he just kind of wore himself out from the whole ordeal. So my next question is, what are the policies and procedures in a situation like this? Like, we know you are not mental health specialists. So what are deputies allowed to do in a situation like this? So, you know, primarily our, our deputies are out there to do, do whatever we can. We're not necessarily a mental health specialist. However, they are trained to deal with those type of situations and, and try to come up with remedies. Um, due to the time in the morning, our, our MET team would not have been on duty at that time. Our MET team doesn't uh, operate at those time, that time of the day. However, the other social services are available for us with resources like the, the West Hollywood Cares team. Um, I don't know in particular that they called or didn't call for this particular incident, but that is an option for us is to call somebody like the Cares team. If that person um, does meet some criteria or does request or, or we do see a, a need that that we would call them. Um, primarily, we, we would have probably used our MET team initially if this was the right time of day, essentially, but mm -hmm. you know, due to the hour, there was no MET team available. So then, um, I'm just curious, could a call like this um, be forwarded to 911 uh, for paramedics to come out and check the individual, or how is that evaluated? Typically, you know, we, we would call paramedics if there was some type of medical issue. Um, you know, the, the, the paramedics, the same thing, they're, they're not mental health professionals. They're there for medical treatment. Um, so if the person wasn't requesting paramedics, they weren't exhibiting signs that they were a danger to themselves, a danger to others, they didn't want to harm anybody, they were just having some type of mental episode, that wouldn't be something necessarily that we might call paramedics for. Um, you know, our, our deputies are pretty well trained in that, that type of regard where it'd be a little bit of a waste of time for to call the paramedics out and their resource, waste their, their resources to come out for something like that where they wouldn't be taking any action essentially. Um, really what our guys would be out there to do is to try to evaluate that person to see if we can't help them in some type of way. Okay, and again, I will state that I felt the deputies did all they could do in that situation under the umbrella of the laws as the way they're written. So um, thank you, because I know it was a difficult situation. 
Um, Commission Secretary, do we have any public comments? I have. Oh, my uh, sorry. Go ahead. Broken, so that's why I can press my button. Um, just in an effort to get to know your department a little better, since the contract is here, and well, we need to know anyway. Um, so, when you hire new deputies, what is their background origin? Background origin? Yeah, like where do you get them from? Where, where do you find? Where, where do most of your new hires come from? Well, I, I, I really couldn't speak to exactly where they come from, uh, particularly, but we, we do do um, recruitment across the country. Essentially, they, they do recruitment. Um, D different types of campaigns, whether it be online, social media, things like that. We do recruitment um, type things here in, in Southern California, obviously, where they do testing. Um, they do recruitment in military. And then how does that work within other cities for uh, the Sheriff's Department? Do you get deputies from a different city? We, we do. Within um, your department? Yeah, we, we, we definitely do. I, I don't want to speak to um, how they do that because I'm not that familiar with how recruitment and, and they go out there and, and touch those different parts of the country. But um, I can tell you that I personally know deputies that, that are currently working for us now that are from other states and other backgrounds from a large part of the country and that have made their way here to um, California and now they're working with the Sheriff's Department. So would you say most of the deputies are outside of the department? Um, I wouldn't characterize it as that if I, no. if I were to guess, no. I okay. would say that they're probably majority Southern California. Okay. And um, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I did hear this, that if, let's say, a deputy is coming from some other city, let's say LAPD or Sacramento, wherever, name any place, and they're under investigation and they decide to just quit and then they go to apply for West Hollywood, that you... Your department wouldn't know anything about it because that particular station holds the records and you will never see the light of day. Or the records will never see the light of day for the new department for no. privacy reasons. No, that, that, that's, not, that's not correct. If um, a person applies for us for whatever position it is, whether it's a deputy or whatever other position, they, they do a, a thorough background investigation which includes speaking directly to their current employer um, so if it was, example, LAPD and they were under some investigation, mm -hmm. they would definitely be speaking to LAPD as to what was going on to make that determination or evaluation whether we wanted to hire that person as an employee. Okay, that's good to know. Thank you. Um, any additional questions? Uh, yes. Uh, Commissioner Rumian. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Lieutenant uh, Sergeant, for your report. Um, I just wanted to maybe answer uh, Chair Hallman's question in regards to the schoolers, because I have written them a couple of times. Um, the ones that I have written, Lime and um, Bird, you do have to put a picture of your driver's license on there, and you also have to attest that you're wearing a helmet. And I guarantee you, people attest that they're wearing a helmet, but no one is wearing a helmet. Um, and that's just my experience with them, you know, I, you, know you, you take your driver's license picture and then you, and you're on your way, and then you attest to it. Um, just to answer your question. Okay, thank you. Um, and to the Sheriff's Department, I have a question in regards to the activity that happened at Bank of America last week, because I was just a few minutes uh, shy of being into that branch that day. Because um, I did speak to the branch manager, um, and talking, and trying to figure out what happened. 
how did that call come through to the sheriff's department? Because it was initially listed as, um, in Citizens as a bank robbery. Uh, is that how you guys received it? No, I, I think that, so apps like Citizen, um, a lot of that information gets a little confused or convoluted with public perception as to what's going on. Um, the call originated down the street at another business where they called and said that this person was inside there causing a disruption, throwing chairs, things like that. Um, when we were responding to that location, um, he had left prior to us getting there, went to the bank and went running in the bank, started causing a disturbance there. So I think what happened was is probably there was some probably some conception that he was in there trying to rob the bank maybe, or people saw the response that was coming uh, from us to the bank and just deemed it to be a bank robbery. But no, we, we never had the call as a, as a bank robbery whatsoever. Because uh, when I did speak to the, to the branch manager, he said that it took about an hour and a half, because I guess they were waiting for the Met team to arrive. That was the main delay. And I want to say, I remember him telling me it was an hour and a half wait time for the Met team. Was that accurate, and why, would, why did it take that long? And I know, you know, during the police academy that we attended, we met with the Met team, and they did tell us that the response team could take anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half, coming from the east side to the west side. I um, just want to know if you could confirm what that delay that day was for that Met team. I, I know there was a delay. I, I, don't, I don't know um, particularly if it was an hour and a half. It, it, it very well could have been. I just don't know that fact or not. Um, the, the delay was there because our Met team that's assigned here to West Hollywood was not available at the time of that call. So we did have to get one from out of the area to respond. But they did respond, what we call like an emergency response, like code three lights and sirens, responding here to the city as quick as they could to assist us with it. But I, I know there was a delay. I don't know how long the delay was. Thank you. Commissioners, any additional questions? Okay, great. Um, thank you. Um, moving on to item 8D, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department contract. The Public Safety Commission will receive a report on the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department contract. Thank you, Chair, uh, Vice Chair, and members of the Public Safety Commission as our um, representatives from our Law Enforcement Services Bureau from the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department get settled in. Um, I did want to first and foremost uh, thank them for um, making it out here in person um, at our request to provide not only the Public Safety Commission, but our community uh, with information regarding um, the contract that the city of West Hollywood um, agrees to, um, like uh, any other contract city um, that selects uh, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department for um, law enforcement services. Um, and so I really wanted to um, bifurcate the item that you have before you this evening into first um, having our representatives from our law enforcement contract services bureau um, provide um, information um, about the contract itself, um, as well as our annual service level agreement, which is referred to as the 575 form, um, and then allowing the commission to ask any questions pertinent to the contract um, and the information that they're providing. Um, 
any sort of uh, recommendations, however, to the city council, I'd like that to be kind of the second uh, part uh, of the item. Our, our representatives here um, are not, um, you know, here to um, answer questions as it relates to those uh, policy recommendations, right? They're, they're simply here to provide information um, to you all to educate um, everybody, community members, about the contract process. Um, and again, just to, to answer any questions um, related to that. Um, to the staff item, um, I did attach as attachment A to the staff report um, the contract that every contract city, um, which includes West Hollywood, enters into with the County of Los Angeles, um, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. And so that is attached um, as attachment A. And then attachment B, which we'll get into the second part of the item, reflects the history of sworn personnel um, that we've seen um, that's been adopted and approved by our city council over the course of the last 17 years. Um, and so with that, I'd like to now uh, turn it over to our contract law enforcement services bureau staff from the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department to provide a presentation. There is a PowerPoint, so then I will be uh, switching that so that everybody can view that. Great, thank you, Director Rivas. Good evening and welcome. Good evening, Commissioners. Thank you, and thank you, Mr. Rivas. Uh, so my name is Andrew Cruz. I am the acting captain of the Sheriff's Department's Contract Law Enforcement Bureau. I'm joined tonight by Lieutenant Eric Martinez, uh, Sergeant Mina Cho, and Keith Hope. So it's an honor here, it's an honor to be here tonight, to have the opportunity to provide each of you with a brief overview of the Sheriff's Department's contract. Uh, just a little background on the Sheriff's Department's Contract Law Enforcement Bureau. Uh, we're responsible for the administration and oversight of contracted law enforcement services for 42 cities, regional transit agencies, nine community colleges, or I'm sorry, nine Los Angeles community colleges, Superior Courts throughout Los Angeles County, various county departments, as well as state and federal agencies. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the 42 contract cities um, is governed by the Municipal Law Enforcement Services Agreement, which is uh, often referred to as MLISA. Uh, it's an agreement between the uh, County of Los Angeles and our contract cities. Um, it's a uh, boilerplate template that is approved by the Board of Supervisors. Uh, so there is no adjusting or uh, tailoring uh, of the agreement to fit one particular contract city. Um, the MLISA is a five-year agreement, and it's currently set to expire June 30th of this year. Uh, our department is currently working with the uh, California Contract Cities Association, also known as CCCA, um, in renewing the agreement for another five-year term. So uh, as part of the MLISA, there are three attachments. Um, the first attachment, as Mr. Rivas referred to, is, is called the 575, and that's the service level authorization. Uh, and that outlines uh, service levels for each particular contract city, and uh, Sergeant Ho will get into that a little further. Uh, attachment B is the master rate sheet, uh, which outlines the cost of uh, the, each service unit, and those are provided by the county's auditor controller. And then lastly, attachment C is a public safety equipment in which our contract cities 
if they wish to procure the services of additional public safety equipment in the form of uh, what we call MDCs or mobile digital computers or ALPERS, which are known as automated license plate readers, or uh, the procurement of, uh, say, a specialty black and white patrol vehicle. That's a, a attachment C. So with that, I will hand it over to Sergeant Keith Ho, who will uh, continue on. Thank you. Thank you, Lieutenant Cruz. Good evening, Commissioners. Um, thank you for the opportunity for us here to present to you um, relates to the contract services for the Sheriff's Department. So as we see in front of you, um, the service level authorization, which is signed every, beginning every fiscal year, and the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, we employ what we call a one-cost contracting model, which every contract city purchases a deputy sheriff service unit. And for example, for the city of West Hollywood, um, the city employs 70-hour cars. So what that means is a deputy sheriff service unit, the cost itself, it includes a lot of the overhead costs in our sheriff's department that support each deputy sheriff on the street that is coming from um, supervisors, such as sergeants, shift sergeants, um, watch sergeants, watch commanders, and all the way down to our support staff, our station clerks who process the reports. The jailers in our station jail is processing the inmates once um, they become our custody. So all these overhead costs that is developed by our other controller, they look at all the numbers by every fiscal year, and they compile all these data, and which that is included in each deputy, service, deputy sheriff service unit. Um, that's why we look at, say, one deputy sheriff, everyone would ask a question, well, they don't make that much every year, but of course, because all these behind the scene activities, because it is a one cost, a single cost, um, uh, contracting that our department is providing. So all these extra costs that you don't see, it's all looped into the service that we provide to our deputies. Um, so you see on the list, um, such as station supervision, station support, department-wide administrative support, some equipment and supply, and county support services that are all included into our deputy sheriff service unit. And so what we, I don't sell, but actually services that are available, for example, for West Hollywood, they are 70-hour deputy sheriff service units. So what that means is each unit assigned to the station, they work 70 hours a week, and each one of them provide 10-hour shifts. Now, you ask the question, well, no one works 70 hours a week, because based on our... Um, Based on labor laws, everyone's working 40 hours a week, so the extra 30 hours for those services will require the secondary deputy to provide that service. So which means the city purchased a 70-hour deputy sheriff service unit. Behind that, number-wise, by personnel, you get more than a little bit over two deputies behind the 70-hour car. So that means the deputy who on the days off will, be, will have a second deputy to supply that. Or if the deputy goes on vacation, on um, any medical leave or family leave, we'll supply that what we call relief person to fulfill the requirement. Um, other options that are available for all our contract cities are, look at examples, 40-hour non-relief, which is a very, very basic service that um, some specialized team in different cities will purchase. Um, there are some actually in the city of West Hollywood purchase that service as well. What it means that is 
that person does the 40 hour, the deputy does the 40 hour, if they take a vacation, there is no relief behind that particular unit. Um, other options also available are the 40 hour with relief, 56 hour with leave deputy sheriff uh, service units. Those are more common that we see out in the field deploy. But um, for the city concern, it is a 70 hours deputy sheriff's unit that the city contract for majority. As you see, the next slide that is presented to you is what we call our relief factors that, like I explained before, for example, the 70 hour unit, um, seven days a week, 10 hours a day, obviously, that requires a little bit more than two deputies to fulfill that contract requirement. So because our department, we does not contract number personnel in our service, the service units, we contract based on service hours. So the 70 hour units literally translate into every year, the department's obligated to present um, 3,650 hours of service hours to each um, a service unit the city purchase. And currently, the, um, the law enforcement service agreement is that the threshold that we have to meet the, um, the compliance is at 98% or better. So which means that once we reach the 98%, 98% threshold, it, what we call we are meeting compliance of the contract itself. So the next slide will illustrate to you is what it means our relief factor. As you see, this is a sample for a 56 hour service unit, which is eight hours a day, five days a week, translating 56 hours of services that we provide throughout the week. So one deputy will, you know, traditionally will probably provide five days of service, and then the remainder of two days will be provided by the second deputy, or vice versa, if the other deputy takes a vacation, takes a day off, there is a secondary person or what we call relief person to fulfill that schedule. I'm sorry, are we missing data that's in the yeah. slide? Yeah, if you um, kind of go second, kind of go arrow down, there's just a, a, a filling in of the boxes of the different uh, service provide. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Actually, we can fast forward to to the next slide. So here's a mock-up of a fiscal year 23-24 of the 575, the service level authorization. So just for sampling purpose that the city is purchasing the 70-hour service units, and each unit for this current fiscal year, the annual rate is at $600,024. Um, dollars and 120. So that translates into, you see across the board, how many service hours that this particular service unit provides and how many personnel that requires. So this is a sample mock-up of our service level service agreement that provides to all the contract cities at the beginning of every fiscal year. Um, right now we're working on the next five year of the service agreement and as well as developing the rates with the other controller for the next fiscal year. And that we just gave a brief overview what the Contract Law Enforcement Bureau services provide to our contract city partners and as well as how we support our stations. Um, we can open it for any questions. Um, commissioners. Any questions? 
Commissioner Bilal. <clears throat> thank you. Uh, thank you for your presentation. Um, I guess a quick question. Reading through the contract, it says that um, we need to be agreed on our new contract term six months before the expiration of the contract, which expires June 30th, and so we've already passed that time frame. So is the opportunity for adjustments and feedback for the contract closed? So we are currently uh, working with the California contract cities, and a working group has been formed um, that consists of uh, certain uh, city managers from uh, each uh, region of the county to provide their input specifically for the uh, MLEs at the agreement itself. Uh, the 575 service level agreements, uh, those conversations are had with each city manager as well as the station commander of whatever particular uh, station that is. So we are working on the new agreement. Okay, all right, thank you. Um, and then um, you mentioned that to remain within compliance of the contract, um, all that's necessary is meeting 98% of the purchased service hours. That's correct, right? But nowhere in the contract does it state out what particular services are to be rendered across those hours. Um, it's all pretty vague um, in terms of just providing general security, um, public safety related items. Um, is there some place that, you know, myself or the public could look to understand what the agreement is with a particular city, say West Hollywood, and the sheriff department about agreed upon services to be executed over those hours in the contract period? So in the, the umbrella, as I call it, the umbrella agreement itself, um, actually it does spell out, let me try to find a specific section, that um, the, the sheriff's department, obviously we enforce the law and as well as we work with the city to look for any particular way that the city would like us to address an issue, such as quality of life issues. Um, the, the reason being is because this agreement is applicable to all the 42 contract cities. Mm -hmm. So each city purchases service a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, we don't spell out exactly what, because such as, um, like for example, West Hollywood purchased the MET team deputies. Right. So, so that would be part of the umbrella of the overall law enforcement services that we provide. Okay. Um, and so then, at least as far as the contract goes, I'm not a contract lawyer, um, and not, not to say that this would happen, but you know, if we, if we don't include KPIs or performance or service item agreements, then um, as long as bodies are showing up, then the, for the required hours, we could assume that the contract is valid and being executed properly? tracked, if you will. So each time the deputy logs on, they'll log on for the 10-hour shift. They'll respond to calls. They'll go in route 97, 98 to those calls for service. And so everything that the deputy does on that working shift gets documented and tracked. Lieutenant Martins, I'm sorry. Can we pull the microphone closer to your, your closer to your, yeah, sorry. Do you want me to repeat that? Or? I, I heard fine, personally. You heard fine, okay. Yeah, 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 fine. Um, so, so then the answer is 
no, aside from showing up for the job, right? As long as, as long as, and not to say that that wouldn't happen, but just so that I understand the contract as well, right? You could, we could be valid in the contract as long as the hours are being logged by signing onto the computer, right? Um, when you start work and when you stop. I'm just trying to set my context for like, what is the expectation in the contract um, legally? So I'm, I'm afraid I don't understand why the answer would be no. I mean, yeah, so I mean, we've, public safety is very important to everybody, right? And oftentimes, and unfortunately times when people feel scared, whether it's for good reason or not, um, they come back to and say, okay, what, what, is, what, is our, what are our public safety people doing? What are they spending our time on? Um, what are the metrics that they're working towards? What are their KPIs, if you will, in terms of response times? And are we getting, the, the question that always comes up and has come up previously in the city here is, you know, are we getting the value from contracting with the sheriff uh, that we ought to get if instead we look at different options? Um, and that's, that's what I'm trying to understand through here uh, and as well I think members of the public would be curious to know about as well. Right, and so for accountability purposes, obviously our units do log on, like I said, log on, log off every day. They, um, track uh, the response times to their to the calls that they're deployed to but anything outside of that I would have to defer back to West Hollywood station to address any of those further concerns okay thank you um, I don't know if anyone else has other questions but I'll defer um, commissioners anyone else? Um, commissioner Nichol thank you chair Holman thank you for your presentation um, I just want to make something clear see if if I have this right so as far as the amount for the 70 hours, um, it includes, you said it's, it's all inclusive. It includes everything from vehicle maintenance, fuel for that vehicle, down to office supplies, uh, utilities, correct? So it, I, I just wanna make it clear that all of that money is not going directly to the officer, although considering the stress and the danger of the job. I don't know why anyone would have a problem with that, but I just want to make very clear that there is a lot included in that dollar amount, correct? Correct. So the, the dollar amount um, majority is going to salary and wages and benefits to the employee, then certain percentages. So one of the advantage of the contracting service is the volume because 42 contract cities purchase quite a lot of deputy sheriffs. So in the service unit price, majority it goes to our employee, employee salary and benefits, then other portions such as employee support, our psychological services bureau is looped into some of this cost. Great, thank you. Yeah. Uh, any additional questions? Commissioner Remian. I don't know if this is a question uh, for the Sheriff's Department or for uh, Director Rivas, um, but has West Hollywood fallen be uh, below the 98% that we know of? And if so, what was the outcome of that? Uh, I don't have those statistics offhand, but I just know that uh, I, in the end, the agreement is to hit 98% per month. Uh, I would venture to say that we are pretty good at hitting the 98% mark, if not more, for most of our contract cities. We, we take that 98% compliance um, 
we take it very seriously, and uh, we do make uh, staffing adjustments or whatever it may be to be, make sure we reach that 98% compliance. Thank you. Um, I have a question. Um, obviously, there's a lot of data here. Um, we are a special event city, so how does that factor in with the contracts? Because with Pride and Halloween, there are additional deputies on site. Um, we all remember the incident with the helicopter that landed on La Brea Avenue. Um, how did those costs factor in? So special events are not part of the regular deployment. That's what's dictated on the service level agreement. And any special events such as Pride event, Halloween festival, these special events such as Oscar parties, those are either their separate um, individual private event contracts or city will contract our station for additional deputies and for the deployment um, based on overtime hourly rate. Um, so for example, the event you mentioned where the helicopter landed on La Brea and Santa Monica, that actually was our Special Enforcement Bureau. Those do not come extra. That cause is included into our Deputy Sheriff Service Unit. Okay, but so then cost for the special events, those are factored in separately. Um, because obviously for Pride and Halloween, um, we need a considerable amount of individuals on the street. That is correct. Special events are separate. Okay. So yeah, here just and just to add, so um, so Pride um, and Halloween um, and any other you know ancillary events, but I'm just going to use those two because those are our major um, significant events. Um, we definitely pay for that separately. Um, that's not a part of our um, our annual contract, but um, as uh, the sergeant had mentioned, you know, when you have our special enforcement bureau, which essentially is the SWAT team for uh, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, um, and you have any other types of services, you know, for calls for service that are occurring in the city, um, then we're able to take advantage of those services that are provided countywide, um, but specific to um, our special events, um, we work with the sheriff's department, um, our local sheriff station, and the emergency operations bureau of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department to look at deployment um, and staffing needs uh, based off of the characteristics, right, of uh, of the event. Okay, great, thank you. Sure. Um, any additional questions? One quick, if that's okay. Go ahead. Um, what is our mechanism as a city to? Uh, basically ensure that the equipment that comes as part of the overhead for a sheriff deputy um, that's baked, baked into that cost, what's our, what's our method to ensure that the equipment they need to get the job done is supplied as part of that? Um, I ask that question because having visited our sheriff's department just over here, um, you know, there's been instances where uh, it's been informally noted that, you know, squad cars are broken, are not working, um, out of service, um, or there's been other reported instances as well where, um, you know, all the deputies on duty don't have um, the non-lethal, less than lethal devices, the, the tasers, um, batteries necessary for the tasers. Um, how do we, what, it, what is the method working with the sheriff to ensure that we uh, 
have the equipment we need. Thank you, that was a good question. We do work with our uh, partners at the CEO's office to, for the budget, for budget increase, for uh, certain things like fleet. Our fleet management bureau is constantly monitoring the miles on cars. Um, as you can imagine, there is a lot of uh, crashed black and white vehicles. And so that, and that's where we go back to our training of emergency vehicle operations. Um, because a crash car means one less car for the station. Mm -hmm. And if you can imagine for the county, there's crashes, I hate to say it, on a daily basis through our deputies. And so we work with our fleet management bureau as well as the partners at the Board of Supervisors and CEO's office to get funding for new vehicles. Um, I don't know what the um, fleet outlook is now. That's, we have a whole separate department for our communications and fleet. But I know it, that is a, one of the priorities for the department is to um, purchase new vehicles. And so hopefully with that, we could start um, filling the gaps where we are short with black and white vehicles at our stations. Okay, but in terms of a mechanism for us to say back, you know, we're, we're short on fleet vehicles or, you know, the city is purchasing batteries to supply tasers for the sheriff's department when that's not being supplied by the department itself. What is the method for the city to report that back? Is there one or is it we need to call up Sheriff Luna? So yes, there is a mechanism. It's for the, it is for the city to have that ongoing conversation with the unit commander uh, at, at West Hollywood Station so that we can address those concerns and make sure that they're brought to the unit commander's um, attention. So carrying on that conversation, wh whether it's the Public Safety Commission, the City Council, but to bring that to the attention of the station. Okay, and, understood. And when it comes to some of the things, like uh, Acting Captain Cruz was saying, uh, with the fleet or with tasers, uh, the county, the department is constantly looking to address those needs um, and to get additional supplies. Uh, we do know that we are working to fulfill especially with the less lethal, right, uh, to fulfill that concern with the cities. All right. Thank you very much. That was my yeah, final Commissioner question. Blau, too, okay. I just want to add that um, those conversations, as uh, the lieutenant and um, acting captain had mentioned, do occur um, with our uh, station uh, captain, um, operations lieutenant, as well as our service area lieutenant. Um, and so we meet on a weekly basis uh, with the city manager as well. Um, and so if there are um, needs um, and if there are anticipated delays, um, it's not uncommon at times for us to look at uh, maybe purchasing um, some batteries or even calibrating uh, meters and doing other things to kind of assist to the extent that we can, um, depending on the item and whatnot. And so those are things that, uh, that we work with uh, the department on as well. So I just wanted to make mention of that. Okay, and so then the characterization that it's a all-in-one cost is not entirely practically accurate, at least as far as the city of West Hollywood goes. Um, it, it, it is for the contract basis, but that doesn't prevent any contract city uh, from uh, looking to purchase additional equipment 
or um, assisting in an effort if it's something that is of a priority and is a need of the station. Obviously, every contract city is a little different, but um, if we have the means and we're looking at a particular piece of equipment, um, you know, I know that we've purchased for our West Hollywood Sheriff Station to uh, mobile kind of command center uh, vehicles in the past. Um, and so that's just an example, um, right, to, to share um, in terms of something that uh, the Sheriff's Department um, wasn't looking to uh, to provide, but uh, at the time, right, the city felt that that was necessary because of the events and other things just to add some additional um, equipment uh, to be able to utilize here in the community. So there are instances where uh, we, we do look at those, consider those, and, and make decisions on. All right, thank you. And I don't know if it's in here and if you can provide it after the fact, Director Rivas, but um, if there's a reference for you know the basic standard equipment that we're expected to have for each one of these positions of you know hours whether it be a 70-hour unit or 40-hour unit or what have you if there's a reference that we can get to say like you know from the from the county we're expected to see for every i don't know 10 70-hour units we're expected to have five black and white vehicles as part of that you know that 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 kind of thing that's not necessarily in here and i'm sure that it's documented elsewhere but i would love to see that yeah, and I don't know if that's something that uh, contract law enforcement bureaus can can respond to now, or if that's. Yeah, definitely, we could we could provide that to you, Mr. Rivas. So, uh, we don't have it on hand, but yes, we we can provide that. To you. Excellent. Thank you very much. Commissioners, any additional questions? Do we have any public comments on this item? I see we don't have any public comments on this item. Okay, great. Um, Director Rivas, just so I have some clarity, and thank you for the report. Um, receive and provide input. What is our next step as a commission? Absolutely. So it sounds like we're good and uh, with uh, our representatives from Contract Law Enforcement Services, um, and so want to thank. Um, them for uh, attending this part and providing the information. Again, I know they had uh, a drive coming into the city um, and appreciate you guys um, uh, fulfilling the request. So th thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome to, to stay if you like or, or, uh, or, or get back to uh, the station or get home. So uh, appreciate you all for, for being here. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, in terms of uh, in terms of the next um, kind of second part, right, that I mentioned of the staff item is I really wanted to reference um, attachment B, and so I'm just gonna place that up on the screen here, um, which is uh, a spreadsheet, right, that accounts for um, the last uh, 17 years uh, that we have. Um, had approval uh, from uh, a sworn personnel perspective. So this does not uh, take into account non-sworn um, positions, um, but I will just let the commission know and members of the community that currently um, we have four non-sworn positions um, that you're not seeing that are reflected here um, on this spreadsheet, um, but we wanted for the sake of, of just focusing on um, our sworn uh, personnel, our deputies, um, our uh, sergeant, uh, lieutenants, um, and our special teams, which is reflected as the community impact team deputies. Um, and so I just wanted to go 
through that uh, briefly. And so the first line item is our patrol deputies. So that is your deputies that are responding to calls for service. Um, and then the second line, as I mentioned, um, abbreviated, we refer to them as SIT. Uh, deputies, um, and so those sit deputies um, are our um, cops team um, that works uh, the Monday through Friday primarily. Um, you know, your 8 a.m. to to 5 p.m. if you will, um, and then that also includes our entertainment policing team deputies that work um, in the late evening hours, right? And so you're seeing kind of those set. Uh, deputy positions there uh, that are under the community impact team deputies. Um, and then in addition to that, you have um, sergeants and lieutenants. Um, and so we have two uh, sergeants, uh, one of which is Sergeant Jason Duran. Um, the other is a Sergeant Kevin Bowes. And so the both of these sergeants um, supervise the community impact team deputies. Um, and so that's why you're seeing uh, two positions um, out, out of the three that are there. And then we pay for one lieutenant, and that is Lieutenant Fanny Lapkin, um, who attends the public safety commission meetings and that you are familiar with. So that is the makeup of our sworn personnel. Um, as you mentioned, our contract law enforcement services bureau representatives have mentioned that there are um, other positions um, that are assigned to the station that we do not pay for. Um, one of them that folks are familiar with is our captain. Um, so you're not seeing a captain um, here um, as part of our contract um, that we have included as a part of the 575 form um, because every, every uh, station captain um, is just provided by the sheriff's department along with other uh, lieutenants and sergeants um, and other detectives uh, and, and teams that we have that work out of the station. Um, they do service other areas, uh, not just the city of West Hollywood. Um, so there are other areas, unincorporated areas, uh, Universal City, uh, right? Just to give you an example, studios and, and so the City Walk area um, that they provide service for that work out of the station. But uh, we're able to take advantage of those services um, as well, as well as a number of other uh, non-sworn positions. I mentioned four that we have, but there are several others uh, that are assigned to keep uh, the station functioning that uh, we do not uh, pay for as a part of our, our service level agreement. Um, and so most recently, we did have a city council last month approve um, adding um, one additional patrol deputy um, to our 575. And so the last column that you're seeing on the spreadsheet as fiscal year 24B uh, reflects that. So currently we have 62 sworn personnel um, that are assigned to the city of West Hollywood. Um, and so um, with that, um, in terms of next steps, Chair, uh, that you mentioned, um, this is a, an opportunity for the commission um, to make um, any sort of, of recommendations that they feel necessary uh, that could then be provided um, to the city manager's uh, office um, as well as to the city council for consideration as we're leading into right, our annual fiscal year uh, budget. Um, and then just lastly, before I, I open it up to the commission, um, just know that um, you know the patrol deputies, uh, our SIT team, um, as well as our sergeants and lieutenant um, that are part of the contract, there's uh, ongoing discussions um, that occur uh, weekly 
um, if not more, um, on different situations uh, with uh, the station's command staff, so our captain, um, our operations lieutenant, our service area lieutenant. Um, and so if there are adjustments needed as a part of the approval of the item that went to council last month, um, there was um, uh, a plan uh, approach that was provided as a part of that staff item. Um, and that was working in conjunction with the West Hollywood Stair Station in terms of what would be the best approach, right, to deal with uh, the residential burglaries uh, that are being experienced. Um, and so the goal, right, is to decrease um, the level of residential burglaries that are occurring in our community. Um, and once that's been successful and fulfilled, um, there can always be adjustments as there always is um, in terms of the level of deployment, uh, focused operations, et cetera, uh, that are provided and discussed uh, by the sheriff station. So with that chair and commissioners, I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions or open it up for the commission to, to discuss. Um, and before we do that, Director Rivas, do we know when this item is going to be placed before city council? Um, so I don't have a specific date, but typically um, you have a budget subcommittee uh, that's comprised of the mayor um, and vice mayor um, that typically occurs in, in April. Um, and, and then from that, um, you have uh, uh, another discussion that potentially occurs in May, um, and then it goes to city council as a full body um, in the first meeting in June. Um, and so the first meeting in June and then the second meeting in June. Um, but I don't have the calendar in front of me, but more or less you kind of see this, the sequence. And so I wanted to make sure um, that uh, you all had an opportunity um, to hear from our Contract Law Enforcement Services Bureau. Um, hopefully that was helpful, not only for you, but for the community. Um, and then as well as, uh, you know, get a snapshot of historically what levels of sworn personnel have been approved um, and adopted and the discussions that have been ongoing um, as we lead into the months ahead. Great, thank you, Director Rivas. So, commissioners, um, with that said, uh, Commissioner Nickel. Thank you, Chair Holman. Um, and thank you, Director Rivas, for that explanation. Um, I'm sure that I mentioned before that the national average for sworn officers is 2.4 per thousand residents. So West Hollywood has about 36,661 residents. That would be 88 sworn officers. Um, we're at 62, that's about 70% of that. I would like to see us have a conversation just to see where everyone is comfortable with, what levels, if it's possible to see how we could work to get closer to at the national average. So I would like to hear what everyone thinks about that. Director Rivas, can I ask what has been in the past, do we know our maximum number here in the city? Um, I mean, there, there really isn't a maximum number. That's Or that's I guess what we've had in the past, what? Yeah, yeah, you, so would I have the spreadsheet um, at the bottom where it, it, I would say one, two, three, four, five. So the fifth where it says total sworn personnel um, on that line item will show you, right, for the last 17 years or so, right, what has been the maximum number more or less that's been approved um, by, uh, by the city council. Okay, thank you, I see sure. that. A lot of data. Um, yes. So am I correct in 67? 
Yes, the most that we've it had here like in the city. It looks like 67, yes, was, uh, was the highest that we've had in the last 17 years. It looks like for a couple physical years, um, it was at 67. Okay, great, thank you. Um, commissioners, does anyone have a response to Commissioner Nichols? I do. Question? Um, okay. Chair, if I can. Go ahead, thank uh, you. Commissioner Bluff. <clears throat> um, you know, I, I, I see the numbers here and I think, it's, I think it's important to note, and I don't know what the population change has looked like, but certainly, you know, since 2008, I could, I would, I think it'd be safe to characterize that the, whether or not the resident population has increased, I think definitely the number of visitors that come to the city of West Hollywood has increased. Um, and when you conflate as well, the, the nature of the city is being kind of, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it, this is gonna be terrible. Um, <laughs> well, never mind, uh, I'll, I'll skip on that. But I, I, can, I can see where you're coming from in that regard. Um, I also think that there's opportunities to pursue policing that doesn't necessarily require increasing sheriff deputies themselves. There's, I, I think, whether that's block by block alone, whether that's uh, another solution, there's many things that the sheriff can't do and, and shouldn't do, because it's not their job, right? Um, I would like to see, similar to what's been raised previously when this same topic has come up, uh, a plan to understand if we increased and if we said we would increase uh, sworn personnel, exactly what they would be doing, how that would help the city, and what, what KPIs, what, what performance metrics we would see an improvement to, to, uh, to warrant that. Um, police don't prevent crime, right? They just respond to crime. Um, there's something definitely to be said about, you know, having a visual presence that deters it, but it's, it's responsive, right, by nature, similar to the fire department in a lot of regard. Um, that's, that's my two cents. Um, Vice Chair. Uh, thank you, Chair. <clears throat> I guess I have some questions. Um, I, I didn't hear, I'm sorry, at the beginning what the source of the, the ratio that you mentioned. Um, and I just comment that <clears throat> there are big differences, east and west in this country, uh, rural and urban in this country, uh, density issues. So I'm just curious what that, what that, what that number represents. Um, and because I think that would affect how we think about it. In addition, I agree with Commissioner Blau that there, uh, it isn't simply as easy as talking simply about the number of officers as a ratio to the residents. We have to talk about what the alternative services are that are available. And there are a number of alternatives to armed officers that are available, some of which we might want to use, some of which we are using, some of which we might not want to use. And I think the conversation needs to include that as well. But for me, I would start with making sure we have some uh, data point that's actually relevant to our discussion. Uh, I'll just say the source of that is the FBI. They do, they do collect. Um, 
uh, information as far as employment for uh, police stations across the nation. So, uh, and it's a national average, mm -hmm. it's nothing, so national it wouldn't average. take into account the differences in urban areas, suburban, rural areas, density issues, complexity issues in the population, uh, or the significant difference just east-west in this country, which is historical. So. Yeah. No, and um, if you if you do look at uh, Mayor Bass in Los Angeles, she is requesting, she's trying to get it up, her, her force, LAPD, up to 10,000. And I redid the numbers, there are just under 4 million people there. So it's actually, she's looking for a little over that 2.4 million, 2.4 people per thousand residents. Right. I, I'm not... I'm not suggesting I would be opposed to it. I, mm -hmm. Chicago has over 20,000 officers. Okay. New York City has over 40,000 officers. We're clearly, uh, this area, uh, at least I'm most familiar with LAPD, under police compared to other big cities. Uh, but as I just want to suggest, it's, it's a complex conversation, not simply about the number of officers. Uh, and then comment more as we get into it. But I think our overall discussion this evening, I, I'll put words in Commissioner Blau's mouth that he's frustrated by what we couldn't find out about the contract. Uh, I think this contract is uh, extraordinarily opaque, and, uh, but I also don't expect any solution to that. But the bottom line question that I think Commissioner Blau was asking that didn't get answered was, what are the officers doing and are we are we happy with what they're doing? Are they doing what we think they should be doing? Uh, is the response time appropriate? Are they responding on LBG, LGBTQ plus issues appropriately? Are they responding to mental health calls appropriately? To the unhoused appropriately? And simply talking about 68 versus 69, to me, just hides the issues where we, that we actually ought to be concerned about. But I'm not suggesting I think it's unrealistic to think we'd be able to get into that. The contract is just too opaque for that. And dealing with an agency as big as the Sheriff's Department and knowing that realistically the city is not going to, there's no alternative uh, that's a realistic one. Um, it's a, almost a fool's errand, I think, to try to get into that, even though I agree with you. And I assume that's where you were trying to go. So, thank you. Commissioner Ramian. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, Director Reeves, I, maybe you could just clarify one thing for me. When you're speaking earlier in regards to um, attachment B, where it says, you know, our sworn officers are 40, 49, uh, total of 62, and you said detectives are not listed on there from the West Hollywood Sheriff's Department, so West Hollywood doesn't have any detectives assigned to that station? Is it that we're sharing Universal Studios and other uh, jurisdictions and we're just piggybacking off of the others? No, so we do have uh, detectives that are assigned to the West Hollywood Sheriff Station and those detectives serve uh, the West Hollywood community, um, but they are not reflected um, in any of the numbers that you see here that we pay for as a part of our service annual agreement with the Sheriff's Department. So um, it is uh, something that um, we are able to take advantage of um, as a part of the department um, as a whole, um, but you do have detectives that are assigned to West Hollywood that um, do investigate um, the crimes, right, that do occur here in our community. So technically we have more than 62 sworn officers, uh, 62 
uh, sworn personnel in West Hollywood if you were to take into consideration the detectives at the station. Because push comes to shove, if there's a big emergency happening, those detectives will respond uh, on site as well. Absolutely. So is there any way to get to, to list how many detectives we have to get a, a true accurate number of sworn personnel? Um, sure, yeah, there is. Um, and I can tell you it's, it's a, a lot higher than, than 62 um, sworn staff that are assigned to West Hollywood Station. Um, although we're only currently paying for 62 um, of those sworn staff. And uh, to answer your question, um, absolutely. If there is an emergency situation that warrants um, additional support, um, then those uh, detectives and other sworn personnel um, that are not reflected in a contract will provide that support. Got it. Um, and I also agree with uh, co-chair, you know, this, uh, the contract is very vague. And as the uh, Sheriff's Department mentioned in their um, presentation, it, all the, all the contracted cities use this vague contract. I think, I'm assuming it's just a, a standard general contract. Um, so I would like to see it maybe like highlight certain um, descriptions of what they're doing, what they could provide, so it's not as um, confusing when you read it. Because I read it four times, five times, and it's still, it is very confusing to understand what's in this contract and what is provided. Um, in regards to, you know, what Commissioner Nickel was saying, um, you know, or Commissioner Blah, you know, looking into other options where it would be block by block or any unarmed uh, um, security guards instead of the sheriffs. You know, I just personally believe that having a, a law enforcement officer responding to a call shows much more precedence than a block by block. Um, and I've witnessed it on my, personally, you know, um, I see it every day. Um, block by block does not get respected um, by not only the community, but the unhoused or whoever it is. Um, and they do provide a great service to the community and to West Hollywood, but replacing them with a, a, a deputy is not the answer, I don't think. Maybe supplementing it, um, but with everything that's going on in our community, crime is up, everything is up. Um, I have you know, neighbors, uh, residents of West Hollywood who reach out to me who don't like to walk you know, their dogs past nine o'clock on the east side. You know, it's becoming a, it's a big problem. Um, and I'm not saying let's bring it back to 68 or 67, how many deputies we had before, but let's evaluate and see, okay, is 62 the correct number or should it be 63? But if we do these 63, you know, I would like to have accountability, like Commissioner Blau said, what are these deputies doing? Are they responding to a call and when the call is done, are they just hanging around, talking to each other for 15, 20 minutes, which I, which I have witnessed? Um, and are we paying for that? That's the other question, you know, because I do see it all the time. Um, after they respond to a call, they're hanging out for 10, 15 minutes. But I would like to see Block by Block and West Hollywood Sheriff's Department work together as a team. And I don't know how that would become more of them working as a team, um, but I do believe that a uniformed officer has much more of a presence um, than an unarmed security guard. Thank you. Commissioner Blau. 
Thank you. I just wanted to respond to something that you said there, and I, and I agree on a lot of the points that you shared, and, and I also feel that not only, not only do I fully respect and appreciate the sheriffs and what they do and uh, the way that they step in in these extremely dangerous situations and put their lives on the line, and I am so thankful that they do that and for the, the members that do that, but in, in certain circumstances, based on different communities, history, whether it be with our own policing or the policing that they've experienced personally elsewhere or within their own communities relationship with police that you know that the presence of an armed officer doesn't add a beneficial element to certain interactions. And so I agree, I think it's a holistic a holistic solution is what we have to look at here. And, you know, we could spout off numbers to say, you know, if this number was 70, if this number was 80, if this number was 90, what, I don't think there's any number that anyone could say like, wow, okay, that's, that's it, we pegged the number, right? Um, of, of sworn personnel necessary for all of us to feel safe. Um, and I think we as a community have to also respect the alternative forms of policing and community safety development that exists out there, right? You say that block by block isn't respected. I would counter that a lot of the reason why maybe that exists is because people have that ingrained vision of them and they can't break it. And we need to reshape the, the conversation and the perspective um, about what, what services they provide, block by block, for instance, or, or any of a, the other service providers for community safety within our city, um, so that we view them as, as parts to benefit us, right, parts of the solution. Yeah, that's, that's all. Thank you. Commissioner Nickel. Thank you. Um, as far as alternative policing, uh, I did just want to bring up, um, maybe staff could look into this and come back with some further information. I know that Santa Monica was hiring a sort of hybrid between a police officer and an ambassador and code compliance, which was an interesting aspect of it. And they called it a public services officer. If you could look into that and come back and sort of explain to us a little bit what that would look like, it might be something to fill in the gaps. Um, but I, I, just to respond to two points from Commissioner Blau, um, we do sort of know where this alternative policing leads. We've been trying it in our city in the last few years. Um, the mayor of DC is trying to roll back what was done in her city um, because it didn't work. And there, there, of course, was the need. A lot of people felt that it was worth giving it a try. And in many places, it's just not working. Uh, Oakland, Governor Newsom just had to put 120 additional CHP officers into Oakland. They had cut 50 of their officers. They tried alternative policing. And things got really bad. So the other thing is, as far as... Um, and I, and I hear this a lot, and I do understand because it's what we see, that officers only respond to crime, that it's a responsive thing, that they don't deter crime. 
I completely disagree. And in fact, I believe that we're a destination city. I think maybe that's what you were, that's what you were getting ready to say. So a lot, of people, a lot of people come here, and a lot of people are very flashy when they come here because it's a, it's a great place to come and to show what you've got and to have a good time. And, but that makes them vulnerable to elements that would want to take what they have. So if we advertise loudly that we're cutting our sworn officers or that is, that's sort of a big flashing light to criminals. And I, to get a little personal, I will say that I have the benefit of having been raised poor. And when you're poor, you're around, you're just around crime for all sorts of reasons. And a lot of the people that I was raised with ended up in the criminal justice system. One of them completely unjustly, but the rest of them, even if they were my friends, they, they did things that they deserved um, to serve time for. And I will say, they're not stupid. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of people think of criminals. They think that they're stupid. And um, on Friday, I attended the, um, the joint session that we had right here in this chamber of the California State Assembly joint information hearing on retail crime. And it was very informative, it was very interesting, but one of the people said something I really liked. They said that this is a career, this is a job. What we're up against are people that take this as a profession. If they're going to come here, if they're going to steal, um, if they're part of international Romanian gangs or whatever else we're up against, it is not, they're not stupid people. So I do think that if they know that we have a fully staffed police force, I think it is a deterrent. I think when a criminal looks and sees more officers around, I think they're less likely to, to do anything. So I just wanted to sh share that. If Go I, ahead, you if can I respond. May, yeah, you know, I think, I think one of the things that would benefit us is to, to and maybe this is a recommendation that we put back to council is is to have a better understanding, whether it be with a with a new sheriff or or a new uh, new sworn personnel or not. What tasks are being done, right? Because that'll tell us. You know, we could we could look at that plainly and see. You know, with the big asterisk that you know we're assuming that, and I and I don't believe this, but we're assuming that they're not sitting around like. <laughs> hanging out all day, right, that they're busy, and I know that they're very busy, and they don't have time for policing all of the things that, you know, I've, I've personally raised in this meeting as being a concern, whether it be traffic incidents or, or traffic um, policing on Fountain Avenue um, or on Sunset. Um, if, if we see a breakdown that, you know, they're spending all of their time, all of their resources focusing on X category, and as a result, we're not taking a look at all these different items. Council Member Meister brought up the um, uh, loud vehicles on Sunset, for instance. Um, then that might help inform us to say, okay, well, we're, we're low on bandwidth here, right? Um, yeah. Um, go ahead, Vice Chair. Thank you, I just have a question for uh, Director Rivas. Um, so when you go to the council, 
what is it you take to the council? A recommendation on the budget and the staffing, or is it something different from that, or more than that? What What do you take to the council? Yeah, so as a part of um, the city manager's recommendation, as a part of the annual fiscal year budget, um, if there are any sort of requests um, that are made um, in discussing with the sheriff station um, that staff agrees with, then those recommendations are made um, as a part of that process. Um, and then it's up to the city council to consider uh, what that request is. Um, and so what looking to get out of the commission this evening is if there are recommendations to, um, to make any sort of requests um, as a part of that when it comes to uh, personnel or equipment, um, then that's certainly something, right, that would be um, included as a part of that uh, recommendation so that the city council is aware of the level of support or requests, et cetera, that are made by the Public Safety Commission. And Chair, and Vice Chair, I just wanted to um, respond briefly to Commissioner Nichols' uh, comment about the, the position for the City of Santa Monica. Um, so we currently are actually looking at um, uh, positions uh, such as what you described. Um, a lot of cities kind of call them different um, things. Um, most commonly, they're referred to as community service officers or community safety officers, um, but they are a hybrid. Um, they are not a sworn officer. It is a non-sworn position, um, but that non-sworn position is trained and capable of actually um, taking uh, traffic collision reports when there are not injuries associated uh, with that uh, traffic collision. Um, if there are um, other calls for service, uh, such as, um, you know, maybe there was a, a burglary uh, that occurred after the fact that somebody learned of, right, and they're contacting the station, um, and that uh, uh, necessitates having a deputy actually respond and go out to take that report or even to take uh, fingerprints, right, on a vehicle or maybe it's a residential burglary. So these uh, positions are actually trained and capable of actually going out and fulfilling those types of calls for service, um, which frees up, right, a sworn deputy sheriff um, from not having to, to perform that duty. And so that is something that we're looking at. A lot of contract cities, um, that contract with the sheriff's department, um, have these uh, positions. Um, they are hired by the city, by the contract city. Um, however, they're assigned to the station. And so they go through um, a uh, background process as well um, to be able to gain access to uh, certain data and information. Um, they are a part of the, the radio communication as well. Um, with the sheriff's department, um, and so they receive right direction, right from from the station that um, and the community that they serve, and so that is something that uh, we are looking into, um, which was a result of our vice mayor um, and other uh, council members that asked that um, uh, during our semi-annual uh, community safety update. Um, there was an ask from the city council, which was approved unanimously to have um, city staff look into the feasibility of, of those types of positions. So thank you for bringing it up, but just so you know, that is in the works. Um, and so what we plan on doing is reaching out, like we already have, to certain contract cities 
um, to go and visit, um, take a look at their operations, um, and get, gain a better understanding of what that looks like, and then putting something together, right, um, that can be considered in the future. Thank you, Director Rivas. This is a very important item for us. Um, it's interesting as the OG here, because I was kind of here the last time we had a discussion such as this. I don't know if we got it right. So I want to make sure that we are in course as best we can be with whatever recommendations we make to council. And it's unfortunate that we didn't have residents here to comment on this item because it's important to hear from the community. I think we've heard at other meetings um, people don't necessarily feel safe. So does that mean an augmentation of more deputies? Does it mean like, you know, obviously the program that Director Rivas just spoke about um, will free up the deputies that we have to do policing? But I really want us to really put some thought into this and what recommendation we send to council because I think it's important in regards to block by block and their respect. I remember when they were first implemented, they were on the east side and it was a part-time program and things were going well, everyone was happy. Um, hours were increased, they were increased across the full city. I personally feel the shift changed from our last recommendation toward block by block. Because they basically are doing the same thing they were always doing. So with that being said, Director Rivas, um, is tonight's meeting the only opportunity we are going to have to discuss this item? Or will you be bringing forth any additional information for us to review? I know some commissioners have asked for additional data. Um, I, I don't plan on bringing uh, another item up for um, for discussion. That's what this item was uh, was intended to perform. And as we look at kind of the timeline ahead, and so um, things uh, get up on the agenda pretty pretty quickly and, and go through the process. And so that's why I was contemplating whether to bring this item in March. Um, and I felt that that would be too late um, in order to do that. And so that's why I wanted to have uh, this item before you all um, this evening. Um, just as it relates to the five-year contract, and so um, our representatives from the Sheriff's Department, right, did make mention um, that every uh, city manager um, as a part of the contract cities um, provides input and feedback. Um, and just know that our, you know, our mayor, um, our vice mayor, um, serve um, as representatives to the California Contract Cities Association. Um, and there are a number of elected officials as well 
um, that participate and are a part of the California Contract Cities Association. And so, um, you know, the input and feedback um, provided to those city managers um, is also coming from uh, the elected officials from each of those 42 contract cities. Um, and so a lot of the um, concerns or questions and inquiries are things that obviously are brought um, to the table, but ultimately, um, you know, whatever the, the final uh, contract uh, will be is something that, you know, will continue to be discussed and, and worked out uh, through that process. And so um, I don't know with what additional information though, and maybe I could get a recap from the commission in terms of what you would be looking for. Um, if, if this were to, you know, be brought back next month, um, if there is time, because um, a lot of what I heard, I just, I, I felt like it was responded to, but if there is additional information that could potentially be provided, um, maybe if the commission can recap that um, now for staff, that would be helpful. Commissioner? I actually have a, a, a quick question, uh, Director Rivas. Is there a way that the commission can get um, an analysis or a comparison of say last fiscal year we had 61 sworn deputies correct what the crime looked like for that fiscal year and then all the previous fiscal years so fiscal year sorry my eyes are for fiscal year 20 and there were 63 sworn officers i would like to see the crime report arrest report of what the crime looked like for that fiscal year with 63 sworn deputies. Uh, I'm not saying let's go back 20 years, but maybe 10 years or, or, or something to see what the crime looked like during that period with those number of sworn officers. Yeah, it's, it's certainly something, and thank you for saying that we wouldn't go back 17 or 18 or 20 years, because there, there is a lot of uh, manual uh, work that's put into that. And so, um, you know, I can certainly talk with um, the station in terms of pulling that data and looking at like what we get right for our monthly reports and then doing that from July um, 1st, right, to June 30th of the following year. Um, yeah, so let me discuss with, uh, with the station in terms of the impact, but I mean, we could certainly pull on our N2 on the city side, all the monthly reports are posted online and so, but that's manual work. We're just looking at the reports and then we're plugging that in and adding it up manually. Um, so there's a little bit of work there, but we can certainly, it's doable. Um, I just wanna make sure that we could provide that in right. time, right? Um, yeah. And I know crime goes up, crime goes down, uh, especially the crime might have been down eight years ago, 10 years ago compared to now. But I would just, it would be interesting to see uh, with the number of sworn deputies that we had from 62, 61, 59, to see what the crime, uh, the crime was looking like back then in those times. We can definitely take a look at that, yeah, and try to see if we can provide. Uh, commissioners, any additional requests of staff? Commissioner um, Nichol? If, I don't know how comfortable the station would be giving their input. I know that, that when, um, when cuts were proposed by the commission as it was formally composed, um, I know that, there, that, that Captain Mulder was very specific about what the impact would be. If you cut 10 of our deputies, this is what's going to happen. This is what will go away. This is what this, this does. 
So um, I, I think that, that Commissioner Blau was asking a very good question. If we were to include it to increase it closer to the national average, and let me be clear, and you know, I'll just say, you know, where's everyone at with the feeling of just working closer towards it? Um, but what what would our sheriff station do with them? What could the impact be? What do they anticipate the impact could be? So I don't know if that's something that they would be comfortable weighing in on before we get together again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just know that the, the station captain, the station definitely provides um, their input and feedback, as you mentioned, and, and did in any of those discussions that occurred um, in the past. Um, what I would just make a suggestion to the commission uh, to consider this evening is um, reflecting what has been mentioned, that if there are any potential increases that the city council considers as a part of the next uh, fiscal year budget, um, that any position, right, be looked at in terms of creating um, KPIs um, or a plan uh, approach in terms of what that specific position would be doing. Um, or it's keep things status quo, um, you know, so these are recommendations that I'm just throwing out as suggestions um, that could uh, be considered by the commission this evening to provide which would be included, um, you know, as a part of any sort of, of discussions that the city council has, because I don't know, again, if the timing is gonna be there um, in terms of uh, placing this um, on the agenda for an additional discussion um, for next month in time of the budgetary process. And so, um, but there are certainly um, other recommendations we've done in the past from the commission that if you wanted to provide during uh, comments from commissioners at the next meeting um, and have us include that as a part of a memo that then goes to the city council, that's also something to consider um, that takes into account. We've done that for a number of other items as well um, in the past that I think has been um, useful, at least to the commission, to feel that their individual uh, requests and perspectives, right, were included um, and represented. But um, I, I do see some consensus on the commission this evening in terms of yeah, there should be um, some sort of uh, performance metric or plan or, um, so I think there's, there at least is some consensus in terms of that. So that could be something that um, the commission, if they feel comfortable, could actually make a recommendation this evening on. Vice Chair. Thank you. Uh, just two comments. One, I just happily want to say I agree with Commissioner Nichol uh, on his last point. <laughs> If the Sheriff's Department is able to tell us what they won't do when they re reduce the number of deputies, I think it's quite reasonable for us to ask them what they will do if we increase the number of deputies. So for my money, that's one area my guess is we're in agreement and that uh, I think getting information about that would be very helpful to us in figuring out how we feel about increasing the number of deputies. Second, um, I would find it very helpful to have this discussion as a group in March. Um, given the information we've learned today, much of it um, new to me, and I'm guessing new to other members, um, that is since Friday, since we got the, uh, the contract and the information attached to it. And um, I'd like to think that um, 
if we have that discussion in March, and we say we're going to have that discussion in March now, that uh, the budget process could accommodate that. So that would be my hope. Um, Commissioner Blau, did you have an additional comment? Um, well, I was actually wondering if there was uh, recommendations that we could come together today that we're in agreement with and make recommendations at least now, because I don't know, I don't. I, I assume it's maybe there's like a rolling process uh, in terms of the the feedback that goes back, but maybe maybe there are some areas that he we can collectively agree on um, right now. Commissioners, thoughts? Can you? Um... Are there other recommendations we could make today about uh, about? I guess I guess this is all about the sheriff today. Um, I mean, one one that I would say is uh, that our recommendation be that increases or decreases to public safety headcounts, whether it be the sheriff block by block, um, or I guess that, that's those are two knobs to turn right now. Um, be accompanied with. Uh, game plans or plans of what's what's going to be increased or decreased? Um, my personal feelings, I don't want to make a recommendation to decrease. Um, also in regards to block by block, since they are our only additional safety support system are they fully staffed at this time? Because I think that's something very important to take into consideration. Uh, again, I just keep hearing residents' comments of how they feel personally about the current state of safety. I'm not opposed to even recommending additional sheriff support you know, to the contract, I'm not. Again, you know, with the understanding um, that we know how that's going to be handled, where deputies are going to go, uh, how they'll be deployed. Um, I would just, as a city, the way the laws are currently written, is this going to be perfect, no. But I think we need to make sure our residents feel as safe as possible. Commissioner Aramian. Um, thank you, Chair. And I, I agree with uh, Chair Hallman. You know, um, my recommendation to City Council will also be not to reduce any more deputies um, at the station. Um, you know, Increasing deputies, I would consider, but I would like to see the comparison to see what the crime data looked like back then, along with uh, what those duties will entail. Because uh, if we do, you know, throwing a number out there, if we were to bring in five more deputies, what are those five deputies gonna do? Uh, they need to be able to do something at the station. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of work that can be done, but I just wanna say, let's bring in deputies and not have a job for them to do. Um, but in regards to what Chair Hallman said, you know, I, I see residents every day 
in my walks and they talk to me and you know the majority of the residents I do speak to on the east side are senior citizens who are scared uh, to walk outside uh, after a certain hour but also just regular residents who are not senior citizens it is a scary time out there when you just want to walk to the 7-eleven to get someone to drink or go to the Trader Joe's or go to smart and final and not knowing should you take your phone with you should you take your wallet with you and living in fear is not the way to live and is bringing in a hundred deputies gonna make everyone feel safer no um, but it's that sense of relief knowing that, okay, we have a fully staffed sheriff's department. If I do need them, they'll respond quickly. Um, so that would be my recommendation, not to decrease any more positions in the sheriff's department, but considerably possibly adding some more. But like I said, I would like to see those uh, statistics for the crime, what it was during the last couple of fiscal years, and having jobs for these uh, officers to be doing if we do bring on more deputies. Well, you know, one thing I can add to that, and I have been asking for this for several years, they're asking the question, why can't we have patrol deputies on foot? I think it's important um, for them to be able to interact with the community, uh, speak with the community. Um, prior to an escalated situation, I think we need to have a better relationship with law enforcement. So I think that's something that could be considered, say, if an increase were implemented, maybe those deputies go to foot patrol. Uh, because I've been asking for it on the east side, and I know there have been, I'll just say, random foot patrols, but I'd like to see it on a regular basis. And again, you know, I emphasize, I think it's an important for the community to have these interactions before something goes wrong. Uh, Commissioner Blau, did you have another comment? Nope. Oh. Commissioner Nichols? Chair, I'm just sorry. I, and so I just wanted to, to also just uh, make mention, so as the commissioners are giving their comments, like this is all great feedback and input that can be provided to the council. And so what Commissioner Raymond had mentioned about, you know, not his perspective, right, not reducing at this time and then making sure that in the future, as a suggestion to the city council, that they consider the fiscal year, right, crime statistics in relation to the number of sworn personnel to consider when they're making their decisions, right? So that is, a recommendation that can be worded in that way that can go to the city council in addition to chair what you had just made mention right now right um, and so these are, I just want to throw that out as the, the discussion is continuing that I am hearing a lot of recommendations from individual commissioners that I think can all be lumped in right, and individualized um, like we've done in the past in terms of bullet points that can be reflected um, in a memo that, that goes um, to the city council, so. Um, yes, Commissioner Nichols. Thank you, Chair Holman. Um, so, 
Following up on, on what you were saying, um, number one about block by block, I agree that the, the attitude towards block by block changed when it appeared that we were trying to replace sworn deputies with block by block. I live near you. I remember when they first came to our city and I remember that it felt really good to see them because it's, again, I, I, I do feel that a presence of a uniform is a deterrent. So, and in the case of block by block, it has to do a lot with um, homeless issues and things like this. They're, they're there, they respond. Um, and I agree, people are feeling a lot less safe. So, a, we could certainly make a recommendation tonight. We could put a number to it to increase our number of sworn deputies, again, I just use the national average because it's an average and it's something to go from. It doesn't mean it's necessarily right for us, but we could put a number to it and then that would give the opportunity for Captain Mulder, for the station to respond. If you give us these deputies, then we could do foot patrols. We could do things like you're talking about. I completely agree with the foot patrols. And then when it goes before council, they will have a lot of information. Um, but. That's my feeling. So I'm wondering if anyone would like to respond to that about putting a number to it tonight and then giving um, giving Captain Mulder an opportunity to say what they would do with that number. I'm curious, what is your number? Well, as I said, if it, if it were the national average, it would be 88. If it were two instead of 2.4 per thousand residents, it would be 73 officers. We're currently at 62. Um, but, you know, we're all here. We all, we all act as a group in unison. So it's something that we should discuss. Is there a number? Is there any increase that anyone else is comfortable with? Commissioner Freiberg, do you want to weigh in? I think um, we just got this report on what, Friday night? It's now Monday night. Barely had time to look at it. Anyone with a full-time job maybe had to work over the weekend. And now we're supposed to come up with some answers to this very complex questions. Um, as for adding more officers, that's like saying A plus B equals C. Like, it's not going to guarantee anyone's safety. And I'm with you, and I wish that it did. I think a lot of other cities are reimagining, if you will, the word that everyone is using because it's not working. So they're looking in other ways to see what does work. The old fashioned way isn't working. Let's move on to something new. Could more um, police uh, deputies work? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, it's not gonna make everybody feel safe. They can't be everywhere all at once. We haven't even heard from the sheriff's department. How could we even know what they want? We, I don't understand why we're not even hearing from them at all, um, any requests that they have. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of um, politicians, you know, just from working in politics, uh, residents will say, I'm scared. We'll give you more police, let's say, like Mayor Bass. And then she could just wash her hands. Look, I did it. I gave you more police. What more do you want? I did my job. You know, and it's kind of a political tool. Um, I'm not saying that, I'm not against what you're saying, Commissioner Nickel. I'm just thinking, this was something I would have to read about. Like, where's the empirical evidence that this is true? 
You know, where's the reports? Where's, you know, the studies that have been done? This is something that would take little time, and that's why I'm saying we're given something on a Thursday night, and supposed to have all the answers and come together as a group by Monday. I mean, how is that even possible? I was on the Human Services Commission, and we were given a lot of information, and we were, you know, schooled pretty well to be prepared when we got the report. I asked for this report last year, and I was made to do a CPR, I mean, a, a public records request just to get it. I'm on this commission. This was coming up. Why would that be? You know, I mean, I just, this is something that should be also available to the residents. There's nobody here. There's no one here to even, like, give their opinion. This came up so quick, really out of nowhere. I, I, was it on the work plan? I don't even know. Do we have a new work plan? I haven't seen one. We're sitting here going back and forth, and it's very obvious we don't have all the information that we need. It is very obvious that we're kind of like just coming up with shit now. Let's just say that. You know what I mean? Like, okay, let's just figure this out and then push it aside. So I think, um, how can we make any decision without going back and really studying what you are suggesting, suggesting, Commissioner Nickel? I can't give you an answer in five minutes of something that's so complex. I would have to read about it and see how that can be fixed. Who's done it? Did it work? Did it not work? You know? What about the other cities? What did they do? Did they already try this and it didn't work? You know what I mean? Like, I can't, I can't give you an answer. May I? Yeah, yeah thanks. Um, I understand. And it was in our work plan that we originally received, I believe, in July. And I thought that at some point we were going to vote to see who would be responsible for different things. It was the first thing on the work plan. And that never happened for us to really get into the contract. Um, but as far as understanding the complex nature of this, um, I've lived here for a long time. I've been a member of Neighborhood Watch Group. I've followed these things. Chair Hallman was here when there was a vote to defund and certainly understands the things that have happened since then. Um, I did cite several different instances of cities that did try alternative policing and have had to pull back from that. We have been trying it. I think that most people will say that residents have felt less safe over the last few years. Um, so I think that we, I would hope that we would have enough information from living in the city and being aware of public safety issues to at least suggest, suggest something. If not, that's totally fine. If there's time to come back next month with more information and we can discuss this, I think that would be really good so that everyone is really comfortable with what we're dealing with and has has time to really dig into the issue and talk to residents. I hope there are a bunch of residents watching right now. I really do. Um, but I think that's totally reasonable as long as there is a chance for this commission because it is part of our responsibility to recommend the level of policing. As long as we have that chance to do that before final decision is made by council. Thing. Yeah. Of course. That's not how I come to conclusions, not just by walking down the street, whether I feel safe or not. How many more, you know, deputies is it going to take? 
like, you need to read about this. You need to read evidence, empirical evidence, from studies done, not going by fear. I mean, of course, everyone's scared. I'm a woman in this city. It's more scarier for me to walk down the street than it is for you. You know, and I would love to feel safe, but it's not going to happen. No matter how many deputies you put on the street, they can't be everywhere all at once. Um, I, I, like I said, I go by empirical evidence. I'm not going to sit here and say, just because I feel scared, let me get some more cops on the street. It's just not, I can't make that recommendation. I just can't. I, and, and I'm not suggesting that. I mean, data matters, absolutely. Um, so, could have really rolled something out, you know, if we had a chance going way back and had seen the contract and, and had been discussing it maybe a little over time and just so we were ready. I mean, we didn't even know what was going on today. I didn't know. Like, I knew it was here, but I didn't know they were, they were just going to do their quick presentation and be gone, and then that was it. Now come up with your suggestions. I don't think that's fair for this commission. I really don't. Vice Chair, any additional comments? Okay, thank you. Commissioners? If I may, uh, I just want to be clear that I'm not recommending, in my, in my earlier statement, I'm not recommending, you know, we reduce the number of sheriffs when I was saying increase or decrease, I was being generic, um, in terms of any, any sort of delta that it it should be backed up by a plan by what that's going to be. I don't feel comfortable with saying 88. Um, I'm not opposed to an increase because I know how busy the, the sheriff deputies are and I know that there are crimes that they are not able to police that I think do need to be policed. What that number necessary to hit those, to, to, to execute in those areas that I think need to be executed on and whether all of the bucket of work needs to be done by the sheriff if there's things that can be taken off the sheriff's plate and shifted onto a more appropriate party, let's do that. And then maybe we don't need 88, 100 sheriff deputies, right? Um, that's my recommendation. Uh, Commissioner Ramia, go ahead. Um, I just wanna say one last thing. Um, and I agree with what Commissioner Freebert said. You know, this is a very, a very important uh, subject, and this chamber should be packed right now with residents. You know, we always hear residents complaining about everything, uh, that they're not safe, the scooters and whatnot, but this is such an important public safety decision that's gonna be made that this chamber should be full. Um, I'm surprised there are more residents here. I'm surprised no one's calling in. But if residents are watching this or listening to this, I encourage you guys to please participate in these public safety meeting, meetings. Voice your concerns. Um, because if you look at the chambers right now, it's completely empty. And it shouldn't be like this. If you have a complaint, you gotta come speak up. It's just like voting. If you're not gonna vote, don't complain. So I'm asking for residents to please come out and speak and help the commission and help city council make the right decision. Thank you. Um, 
commissioners, in my ardent support of deputies on foot patrol, I'm going to throw a number out. And let's see where we land. My number is four deputies designated to foot patrol throughout the community. Thoughts? I'm fine with that. I, we all agree that we need more foot patrols. Um, and as long as it, it you know, moves us along towards that national average, I'm behind it. And I agree, you know, um, uh, you know, I said I wasn't going to give a number, but in my head, you know I have a number um, because I was going to increase it by three, and they'll be allocated to foot patrol as well. Um, so that was the number I had in my head, but I still want to see uh, statistics. Anyone else? Vice Chair. I don't know how to evaluate that number without hearing from the Sheriff's Department what that would mean. I don't, under, I don't know what four additional deputies mean there would be one on a regular basis who's walking around. If that's the case, I'm not sure what we're adding. And I just don't know the answer to that without some analysis and some facts. I'm not saying I'm opposed to it. Vice uh, Chair, if you can speak into the mic, it's not. Um, your, oh, your mic wasn't. Sorry. I, I'm not able to evaluate the proposal without hearing from the Sheriff's Department what it would mean to have four additional deputies assigned to walking. How many would that actually mean on a regular basis? What effect do we think that might have? And I don't think it's unreasonable to, for us to ask for data and information from the Sheriff's Department when we're talking about a specific proposal like this. Anyone else? Commissioner Nickel. So, Director Rivas, if we were to come back next month, would there still be time for us to have a vote? Say, say we move this number four, and then we give Captain Mulder a chance to respond. And if we get any additional information that Commissioner Freiberg wants to give us a chance to vote, is there still time to do that for us to do our duty and to weigh in before council has to make a final decision? For us to place it on the agenda for next month, um, I, I don't know. I mean, based off of the timeline that I looked at, that's the reason why I placed it on the agenda this month. Um, I did make mention of us placing it on the agenda um, last commission meeting. I understand there were some commissioners that, that weren't here. Um, it was a part of the work plan. But understanding that, I mean, there's, there certainly is time to provide um, input and feedback next month. Um, but to have, you know, um, the data and, and everything that you mentioned included and prepared and ready, right, to have that discussion by the Public Safety Commission next month, that I don't know and I can't respond to this evening. Um, but we will make every effort um, in terms of that, in terms of fulfilling that. But just know, again, as suggestions that I threw out, is that all of the comments and input and feedback that's mentioned this evening 
from uh, the empirical evidence that Commissioner Freiberg had mentioned to foot patrols, um, to looking at alternative policing, um, like the community service officer, um, right, that was mentioned, um, to uh, having uh, that statistical information that Commissioner Rainyman had mentioned regarding physical year crime data, right, all of those, uh, that's a comprehensive list of things for the city council to consider. Um, and just know that Captain Mulder, as uh, maybe some of you are aware of or, or not, always participates as a part of the semi-annual community safety updates um, that go to the city council and does provide his recommendations as a part of the presentation that he provides the full council. Um, and the council hears that um, and they obviously make a decision uh, based off of the collective input that everybody is providing them. Um, but even if the station is making recommendations, uh, know that it is uh, the city's uh, position to make their own recommendations, some of which may be in opposition to what uh, the West Hollywood Sheriff Station um, is requesting. So I also wanted to just, uh, you know, make mention of that to, to the commission as well. Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to comment on what you were saying because, you know, with the Human Services Commission, we would hear, you know, we would make recommend recommendations the city would then make their recommendations and then we'd come back, but we also would hear what the contractors wanted. Do any of you know what they're asking? How do we not know this? We should know what they want. You want foot patrol. They might think that's crazy. I don't know, you know, but I'm just saying, it's like, why wouldn't we ask them what they want? Why aren't they telling us what they want? Why aren't we hearing what they want what the city wants, your recommendation as well is very important, you know? So why aren't we hearing any of this? I mean, this was like typical for the Human Services Commission, we would hear both. And then we'd be able to come up with a decision and say, okay, this is how we'd like it. And then our recommendation would go to the city council. And I just feel like we have nothing, just nothing. We're just throwing numbers out. Not even giving time to even research it. I, you don't need to come up with the research. That's our job. You know, all of us could go home and research these things. But, you know, to, to just start throwing out numbers and who knows? I don't know. You know, I don't know how we could actually make a recommendation. And you all don't, don't have to uh, provide recommendations. It could be the input and feedback that you all have provided. Case in point, what Commissioner Freiberg had just mentioned. So that can be included like it has in the past on other items um, that have come before the commission um, for the city council to, to consider. So we'll continue to look at the timeline and um, certainly see if, if there is feasibility of, of bringing an item back. But I think from everything that we've heard um, this evening, there certainly is enough to, to compile um, and have a, a list of, of concerns and inquiries and asking things to uh, consider for the city council um, if they're electing to, you know, increase or decrease or whatever um, decision is made as it relates to uh, our public safety contract. Commissioners, 
Well, you put a number out there. Do you want to bring it to a vote? That's why I threw the number out. I wanted to get a temperature from the commission. I mean, I figured someone had to throw a number out there. I'm happy to back it. And um, again, I am looking at national average. I'm looking at um, the lived experience of being in West Hollywood through the ups and downs of, of our level of service. Um, and also, I, we certainly have heard a lot on, from our, our, our officers in this commission have come before us and talked about these things. And uh, if, if you watch any of the city council meetings, certainly officers have, have said that more is always better. So. Always ask for more because they come down. There's going to be, you know, it's, it's it's kind of like when you go to buy a car. It's like they're, you know, it's the same thing. Like you're going to come to the middle. I think it's very obvious that you just want a number and that's it, right? Well, I to recommend any number is fine with you. No, not any number. Um, more than we have now to get us closer to the national average. But I mean, so that's that's the only recommend, recommendation you have is number of um, increase of officer of deputies. I'm sorry, that, that is it, right? Does does that national average come with a crime statistic as well, or is it just the number of sheriff bodies per capita in these cities? Yeah, it's employment data for. Uh, national average employment data compiled okay. by the FBI. Sure, okay, and so that doesn't speak to anything about is that average high, is it low, um, in terms of the, the number of bodies necessary to do this. Um, if we're talking about adding four, as Chair Hallman recommended, you know, I don't know what that means, as Vice Chair said, right? What is, does that practically mean one officer walking around? I don't know if the sheriff can handle officers walking around. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that's something that they typically do um, and what that would practically look like. Um, I mean, I can imagine it, right? It's not a hard concept, but I don't know if it's within their capabilities. Um, Just to chime in, you know, West Hollywood did have foot patrol several years ago, but it was on an overtime status. So deputies would do foot patrol in the entertainment district, but it was considered overtime. So by, th by recommending four deputies, um, what I believe Chair Hallman and, and Commissioner Nicol and myself are saying, those four deputies will be allocated to foot patrol. They were not paying overtime for it. Um, there'll be strictly foot patrol from it could be wherever it's going to be from, from Doheny going to all the way east to, to wherever it would be. But I would like to see um, that number be allocated to foot patrol. And I mean, just looking at these numbers from 2019, 2020 cost, right? Uh, and I'm sure it's ballooned since then. Uh, we're looking at, with liability at minimum, $1.2 million for four new deputies, right? And with an unknown impact of what that's going to look like. And I think what myself and Commissioner Freiberg and the vice chair are asking is to better understand what that's gonna look like. I'm not gonna buy a $1.2 million house without touring it, 
without, without even knowing how many bedrooms are in it, right? Um, or the, the, the color, what street it's on, I, that, that kind of a thing, right? Um, that's where I'm at. I understand. You want to know where those four deputies are going to go or what they're going to be doing. Um, commissioners, yes. what if, I'm just going to throw this out there because I'm going to get comments so we can come to some type of decision. Um, before that I suggested for foot patrol, could it be done as a pilot program as we're doing with some of our other programs? Thoughts? I mean, we have to look at this from a lot of different angles. Yeah, Chair, I, and I just want to hop in. So you all don't have to make a decision that you're all in agreement with this evening. Um, so, you know, again, just to reiterate that if the commission wishes to include, which, you know, we've taken notes and we will ensure that all the input and feedback is provided, is accounted for. That's not to say that we won't potentially come back, right, um, next month. Um, but any additional information as well that's shared at that time certainly will have time to be included um, and added to the input and feedback that everybody is sharing this evening. Um, I want to make mention too, I know our contract law enforcement bureau and the intent of having them here today was to go over the contract, to answer some questions, to kind of go over the 575 form. Um, but in addition to that, one of the things that I know wasn't touched on is currently there's a moratorium in place in the sheriff's department that doesn't allow for any additional staff to be added to the contracts for contract cities. Um, right now we are fulfilling those positions um, through uh, overtime and taking a creative approach, which the department has agreed to um, in adding these positions. Um, and so if we look at kind of a pilot, and I know folks are mentioning the foot patrols, um, that is something that is done still um, in terms of overtime through our supplemental patrol um, budget that we have with the Sheriff's Department. Um, so to do a pilot, I just wanna make sure, just to be careful that you know, you're, we're not saying adding uh, uh, positions, um, maybe the recommendation or suggestion or the thought process is to um, have the Sheriff's Department focus uh, and dedicate more resources right on foot patrols, uh, potentially even bike patrols, because that is something that has come up before um, in the past. And so, you know, they, uh, the sheriffs in the station, schedule those uh, foot and bicycle patrols as much as possible. Um, obviously, there's some seasonal challenges uh, when there's, it's raining. Um, of course, you're not going to be deploying uh, folks on bike patrol, right? And in certain other instances, but you know, in the summer months or, you know, as, as the weather permits um, or if there's uh, operations and things like that of that nature or things are occurring, then of course that's where the deployment, right, is made. And so again, the commission can certainly um, make those suggestions, right, in terms of saying, hey, please look at these uh, aspects, please dedicate X amount, um, have a schedule as it relates to foot and bicycle patrol, 
Um, and so all of that is um, important information that can be included and, and lumped in together too as part of input provided to the council. So, Can you regurgitate the first part of that statement that you made because that could have been important for us to know before we started down this road. So I'm a little confused. You had mentioned about overtime. Yeah, we were doing foot patrol, but it's overtime. So my comment was going to be, wouldn't it be cost efficient not to pay overtime and have dedicated deputies on foot patrol rather than paying overtime? So um, yeah, let me backtrack. So we have supplemental patrol, a budget that has always been in place um, here at the city. And so for additional foot patrols, um, if we have situations like civil unrest or protests, uh, things that occur, right, that we didn't plan for, um, security enhancements, right, uh, for different situations, then we work with the sheriff station to, um, to fill those, uh, those positions uh, in that focused assignment. Um, and so, you know, there, there is a budget already in place um, that provides, that is where our foot and bicycle patrols um, were being pulled from. Um, that has been communicated um, to the city council. It, it's a, a part of the semi-annual community safety update um, that's been provided, I could tell you, since before my time, um, that's always been been added as I've served in this role. Um, so sorry of me not make, making mention of that um, earlier. Um, was that the part or were you talking about the moratorium chair as it relates to um, uh, adding uh, sworn personnel to the contract at this time for a contract city? That part. That part. So yeah, that was also something that's been um, communicated before. Um, so our uh, a 575 form, uh, which reflects the positions, um, that has not taken into account the last three positions that have been added, um, or I should say been approved by the city council. That includes one uh, sergeant to our um, community impact team, one a deputy to our community impact team, and then most recently, right, we had our um, uh, the patrol deputy that was added. And so um, those positions are currently being filled, backfilled um, by overtime, although we uh, at the city are not paying for that overtime rate, we're just paying the contract uh, service level rate for those positions. And so the, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department is actually picking up and paying for that overtime cost that they're needing to kind of fulfill and backfill that position. Um, so we're getting by in filling those positions currently, and that's because of the shortages that the department is having as a whole, no differently than the rest of the police departments um, across the state or even in the nation are dealing with in terms of hiring sworn personnel. Um, so we are you know, appreciative of the fact of being able to fill those positions. Um, through this approach. And when the Sheriff's Department ends up lifting that uh, moratorium in terms of allowing contract cities to add that now, right, uh, to their 575, then we will do so. And so you'll never know the difference, but I'm just, you know, just making mention that, just keep that in mind um, as you're considering this, but um, so hopefully that was helpful. Chair, if I can, there's actually one important part point that I want to point out to the commission 
Um, with the plus one deputy that is reflected as of February 1st, 2024, we're actually at the maximum number of sheriff deputies that has actually been reflected as far back as fiscal year 2007. There's a note in there that's really, I didn't notice it at first, but uh, you see when they dropped down from 67 to 62, note one reflects that that is due to the fact that they were allocating heads for sheriff positions that they were unable to fill, and so they reduced down to the number that they were able to fill, which is 62. So being at 62 where we are is the same, it would appear, as where we have ever been within this timeline here, uh, with the exception of, I think there was a 63. There's a couple 63s in 2017 and 2018. So just as a note on that. Director Rivas, um, can you confirm that? Not to put you on the spot, but um, is what Commissioner Blau just stated correct? Correct. Well, we, yes, we're at we're at currently with the addition of what was approved um, last month. We are at 62. Um, Pre-COVID, um, we were at um, 63, and that did include um, a. Uh, uh, traffic camera uh, enforcement deputy that was assigned, but when the city decided to conclude that, uh, that program, um, then uh, that uh, also uh, included the reduction of that deputy that was assigned um, to, that, uh, to that assignment. Um, and so if you look at kind of the patrol deputies and the special team deputies, uh, we are more or less back to pre-pandemic levels. Um, how many traffic deputies do we have? We currently have two uh, motor deputies. Because I know there was a deputy on the east side today. I haven't seen a deputy there in quite some time. And I was in a very short period of time, uh, his presence was felt. So I'm just throwing that out there. Um, you know, traffic deputies, two, is that enough? I mean, it's just something for everyone to consider. Um, I live on a street where people run the stop signs all the time. It's a residential neighborhood. It's not the 405. So, Commissioner Blau, were you going to make a comment? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I live on Fountain. I live just off Fountain. I cross Fountain twice a day to go to the gym, and it's death-defying, right? It's crazy. Um, I think two is too few, but as it relates to like an overall sum, maybe there's reallocation or, or balancing, but I, I'm not the expert in that regard to say how, how they allocate those, but yeah. So Director Rivas, um, you don't feel confident that, I just want to make sure that everyone understands that we could place this item on our March agenda, however, if we individually chose to make comments or suggestions during commissioner comments, is that what we're looking at as an option? So you, the commission's done that this evening, right? In terms of providing your comments um, and your feedback. Um, so all of that is gonna be included. Um, and so you can certainly have an opportunity to do that again in March. 
Um, I just don't know the requests that are being made in terms of analyzing, having the statistical data, that more than likely is not gonna be completed in time um, for next month's uh, meeting. But that doesn't mean that that's not gonna be considered by the city council because if the commission, if individual commissioners are making those requests, that information is gonna be communicated to them. And that's the important discussion that we're trying to have right um, here this evening and that the commission can certainly have um, next month as well. Um, so I just, you know, I don't wanna set any, you know, misleading expectations that everything that the commission is requesting this evening is gonna be prepared, completed, and then presented back to the commission. But that doesn't mean that's not gonna be considered by the city council because everybody's comments are gonna be taken into consideration compiled, right, and then communicated to the city council for a consideration if they in fact select to make any sort of adjustments to our law enforcement contract. Got it, commissioners, does everyone understand? So any additional comments before we move on or questions? Okay, so moving on to item 8E, uh, the Public Safety Commission will discuss the cancellation of or rescheduling of the June 10th and November 11th commission meetings. Um, Director Rivas, is there something you can add to that just so we have a clearer understanding? Sorry, turn off my mic. Um, so the, the, the June 10th, um, so the first meeting in June was canceled um, by the city council as a result of Pride, um, or we hope Pride, and so um, their meeting um, has been rescheduled to June 10th, um, and so uh, we have uh, two options as the commission is to either cancel um, the June meeting uh, or um, if it's the will of the commission to have staff look at an alternative date, um, but just know that you know there may not be available um, dates for us to meet here in the council chambers, um, but we can certainly take a look at that. Um, and if the commission is adamant about having a meeting in June, regardless of the location, then we can certainly look at other locations as well. Uh, the city hall um, um, EOC room, um, and uh, Plummer Park, which is where the commission met before. But just know that those other locations, um, there is no broadcast capabilities. Um, the only ability to broadcast is here in the council chambers. Um, and so we would have to look at a potential date, um, you know, send an email to the full commission to see what the availability is to ensure that we have a quorum. Um, and so that's as it relates to um, June 10th. Um, and uh, similarly to uh, November 11th um, date. And so uh, council chambers um, will be utilized at that time. And so, you know, we have the option uh, similar to June is to look for an alternative date um, or um, make a, a cancellation for that, for that month's meeting. Got it. Um, my personal input, I don't like when we cancel meetings. I would like to see if there's an option that can be presented to us, um, which I know we have worked out, I believe, before in the past. Um, commissioners, thoughts? 
I agree with Chair Hallman. Um, I would like to not cancel any meetings and hopefully reschedule either via Zoom or at another location. Uh, public safety is a very important topic, uh, and I don't think it's one of those meetings that we should cancel. Does anyone else? I don't think we should cancel, if at all possible. Commissioner Blau? Yeah, I mean, that's that's fine with me. I think if we can find a date that's amenable, that works for everybody, I, I definitely agree that it's important to have. Um, is there, do we have to decide on the dates right now? Would we even be able to decide on the dates right now if we were trying to like figure out this No, facility? I think it would be staff no. would have to look at dates yeah. and locations. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. I wanted to get, we wanted to get the temperature first and, and that way we'll look at available dates and then obviously get back to everybody as quickly as possible because we want to reserve, um, uh, you know, whatever location. Um, and just note, Commissioner Remnant, uh, that uh, there is no Zoom option. Um, meetings are in person um, as it relates to the commission. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Freiberg. And Vice Chair. I agree. We should see what the proposal is and if it works, it works. All right, I hope it is. <laughs> oh wait, it's gone. <laughs> um, moving on, item nine, items from staff. Um, staff, is there anything else you would like to add <laughs> this evening? Thank you, Chair and members of the commission. Um, we have a few updates we'd like to share with you tonight. One, we are excited to announce the return of our public safety appreciation event, which will be taking place on March 6th, just around the corner. Um, we will be recognizing the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, Los Angeles County Fire Department, and our block-by-block -block ambassadors here at Council Chambers from 11.30 to 1.30, which will include a luncheon that will take place here in the auto court. We're going to shut that down and then move into Council Chambers for the formal awards portion of the ceremony. Um, please save the date, and we'll be sharing more information with you on this event in the coming weeks. Do you save the date again? Three, six. Um, this month, the Neighborhood and Business Safety Division Code Enforcement Team has begun conducting inspections on multifamily properties in West Hollywood. The proactive pilot program has begun on the east side of the city and will move west across the community. The goal of the inspection program is to inspect multifamily properties every three years to ensure city rental housing properties are being maintained in compliance with the city's municipal code standards. Inspections will focus on exterior property conditions and common areas. Code enforcement officers will also be checking for any potential short-term rental activity being advertised at a property. Tenants can also voluntarily schedule an interior inspection of their unit as part of this proactive pilot program if they choose to. Next, effective July 1st, Bill AB 1013 will go into effect, which mandates that nightlife venues offer patrons testing strips designed to detect the presence of controlled substances in a drink. This law will only apply to businesses with type 48 licenses, which serve alcohol but don't sell food. Lastly, the city has begun planning for Ciclavia and the LA Marathon. We will be working closely with our sheriffs and fire department to ensure the appropriate street closures and public safety measures are in place. The LA Marathon is just around the corner on March 17th and Ciclavia is coming up on August 18th. This concludes the updates from the Public Safety Division. Thank you. Um, I apologize again. What's the date of the LA Marathon again? 
LA Marathon is on March 17th. Okay, so 317, great, thank you. St. Patrick's Day. All right, thank you. Um, our Commission Secretary, just wanna make sure there are no public comments. Yes, there are no public comments. Great, thank you. Um, item 11 is comments from commissioners. Commissioners, do you have any comments at this time? I do, I actually have a question about one of the items that you brought up, I had it. Um, regarding the pilot program for inspecting the rental units in the city, is that ex related exclusively to the rent stabilized units or is that all rental units? All multi-family units with three or more units. Okay, um, and is that, are you, uh, the, the fire department does something similar, I was asking about earlier this evening, um, in terms of the, the fire prevention inspections on a three-year basis within their realms of uh, service. A recommendation, maybe you work opposite them, uh, you know, at the, they start at the top of the pile, you start at the bottom, meet in the middle. Maybe buildings get uh, seen more quickly. Recommendation. Well, um, if I can chime in, this was something that was discussed that I brought up on a previous commission. And it was really to focus on making sure that residents, their units were provided with what they needed for safety. Uh, smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors, and I believe they're also going to check heating units, correct? as part of this program. Um, again, this is all volunteer. This is if a resident requests them to come in. I know with fire, yes, they do go out and survey buildings. They look at smoke detectors and public areas, but they do not go into units. And that was my intent with pushing this through. Again, I will say as a fire survivor, I just want everyone to be as safe as possible. So um, I was pleased when Director Rios presented this to us and how it's going to roll out. But again, it's optional for residents. Yeah, and just to, to respond to uh, Commissioner Blas, so, um, so the fire prevention um, and what they do in terms of looking at fire sprinklers, um, you know, which are typically in the common areas um, and, and looking at other fire-related fire code issues. So that is something that's done separately. Um, so this program was actually a city council directive that um, at the time, code compliance, now neighborhood and business safety, and our code enforcement team received back in 2019. Um, so we are barely getting to the point of implementation just because of COVID um, and again, just making requests because of additional staffing that was needed because uh, uh, our code enforcement uh, program did not have the capability whatsoever to, uh, or the capacity to implement such a program without adding additional staff. Um, and so we did enter into a contract uh, with a vendor um, who uh, has provided us with two code enforcement officers um, that are contracted, um, and it is a pilot program, um, and the intent is to uh, visit all of the common areas in multifamily properties within a three-year period, um, and while staff is visiting, 
um, that particular property for inspection. Um, they will post um, in a number of areas informing tenants that if they wish to request an interior inspection, then that would be completed at that time, but they need to schedule that uh, with that code enforcement team that's providing that service. If a tenant does not request that, then um, code enforcement staff is not going to be going inside, right, of the tenant units in multifamily uh, properties, but they'll be looking at all of the rest of the exterior and, and other areas, elevators, um, laundry rooms, if there's a, a recreation or community room at the facility, and looking at those types of things. Um, but if they do see concerns that are fire related um, or they need the support from another agency, they certainly will work with them on that. Great, thank you for that clarification, both. I appreciate that. Um, Commissioner, is anyone else? Commissioner Nichols. Thank you, Chair Hallman. Um, just a few things I did since the last, uh, our last meeting. Um, I did do a walking tour with a resident um, who showed me the FMB properties. Of course, we know the one on Sierra Bonita, which burned. The one I mentioned earlier on Genesee on Friday was another one. Uh, we saw at least 10. Um, some of them were not secure still. There's one on Ogden, a very large one on Ogden. And the chain link fence on the corner, it was just pulled down so that people could step right over it. It was at 1016 Ogden. So I know that, that there's foreclosures and sales going on. Um, I was just wondering if Director Rivas had any updates or anything that we can do. I know the community already expressed concerns about these buildings. There are more of them than you think. Like if you go, there are ones that are complete buildings that they bought, evacuated, and are sitting there to holes in the ground, to buildings that are almost complete, and then it just stopped. So if there's anything, any update you could give yeah, us? Yeah, absolutely, um, and, and you are right, because we've been in communication with uh, residents, our code enforcement team has, um, as it relates to certain foreclosure notices that have been posted. Um, we did um, receive communication from a court-appointed receiver um, on a, a fraction of the properties that are owned by the developer that you mentioned. Um, and so that receiver has been appointed temporarily. Um, and so a receiver essentially can take possession and now is responsible for managing uh, that property. Um, and this was done by the lender, um, the bank essentially um, filing a, a case um, on uh, the property owner and then getting that temporary order approved. Um, there is a hearing that is slated for uh, sometime this month um, for that uh, order to be considered made permanent um, on uh, those properties uh, that that lender is responsible for. It, it doesn't include all of the properties. Um, all of those are being um, inventoried um, by um, a number of different divisions um, in the city, um, our building and safety, our planning, our code enforcement. So there's a comprehensive team that is looking at each of those and looking at the different stages um, that each of those properties are in. Um, and then of course, working with our city attorney's office and our city prosecutor's office on figuring out what's gonna be the most efficient and effective way to move forward um, on those properties in terms of getting them addressed. Um, I do know that the court appointed receiver 
did perform uh, work on the properties they were responsible for. I know some of them were on Ogden, um, uh, and so I don't know the addresses off, off top of my head, but um, I know that they did make some repairs to some of the fencing. Um, I know that there was uh, security um, that was placed on the Genesee uh, property as well. Uh, and so there are notices, there are orders that are being issued by code enforcement. It is a, a top priority for them in terms of just making sure, as I mentioned earlier, that inspections are occurring on certain properties, right, um, based on uh, the number of issues that are being observed and, and are being addressed. And so um, we hopefully uh, hope to have, you know, a lot of those properties uh, remedied um, from a legal perspective. I know it is gonna take some time because there are some financial challenges for, um, for the owner. Um, and so as we're starting to see some of these uh, properties evolve, being assigned a court appointed receiver, um, that is gonna be helpful because uh, at least the receiver that reached out to us recently um, has certainly followed through and been uh, very responsive uh, for those properties. And so um, we'll continue to uh, work on those. Um, and we do plan, code enforcement does plan on providing an update um, to the city council regarding vacant properties next month. Um, and as a part of that, um, they will be looking at any sort of potential policy changes um, that are made, meaning that any sort of uh, recommended uh, amendments to the vacant property ordinance to strengthen the tools that code enforcement staff needs uh, to address vacant properties, um, that will be a, a topic of discussion as well that will be presented to the city council uh, for consideration. Um, so we'll certainly keep uh, the commission updated uh, on any progress as it relates to that. Good, thank you so much. I, it is a concern of, of a lot of residents uh, who live around them. Um, also, on January 29th, I joined the discussion of the Inside Safe program with LA Mayor Bass's office. Uh, they talked about the cleanup at Poinsettia Park. And after that, um, I did meet with uh, Mr. David Wynn, who's a central area representative of Mayor Bass. And he's very interested in um, eyes on the ground. So, of course, we know that for years this has been an issue at Poinsettia Park, that, that there have been cleanups and people coming back. So any residents who live near there who would like to get in touch with him and just say if they see anything going on, they can certainly email me. It's commissionernickel at gmail.com. Nickel spelled N-I-C-K-L-E. And uh, last thing I would say is I mentioned earlier that Friday I did attend the California State Assembly Joint Information Hearing on Retail Crime. It was held right here, um, and thanks to Assembly Member, Assembly Member Rick Zaver for bringing this important hearing here to West Hollywood. Thanks. Right. Um, also, just a few things I want to touch on. On 125, I participated as part of a listening session for the citywide strategic plan. The meeting focused on citywide and department division specific priorities, opportunities, and challenges. I thought it was a great meeting. I believe there will be additional listening sessions to come. On 129, um, I was very happy to attend the celebration at the Wild for um, the annual West Hollywood Thelma Houston Day, where Mayor Erickson and Vice Mayor Byers gave her a proclamation in honor of her day and her contribution to the LGBTQ plus community. And also 
as Commissioner Nichols did, I did attend um, Assembly Members Zabur um, Select Committee um, Assembly Public Safety Meeting on Retail Theft. Um, there were three areas that were discussed, um, statewide efforts, um, local efforts, and addressing fencing and reselling, and I think Commissioner Nichols will agree it was quite fascinating. It really was a fascinating session to attend. Um, that is it for me. Um, commissioners, anyone else? Thank you, uh, Chair. Um, I would say good evening to everyone in the chamber, uh, but we have no residents here, but so good evening, Lieutenant, and everyone from the Sheriff's Department. That is my main concern right now. I want to know why this chamber is empty with no residents at the Public Safety Commission. Um, you know, the agendas get posted. Uh, this was a very important topic for the community and for the commission. And why is no one in the chamber? Um, I sure would want to think that people are watching online via Zoom, uh, but have the residents lost hope? Are they thinking that nothing is going to change in the city? Is that why they're not coming and speaking? But there's no reason why this chamber should be empty. I would love to see more residents in our future meetings. I invite all of our West Hollywood residents to come join the meetings. Please speak up. I encourage all residents of West Hollywood to also join your neighborhood watch. Be active in your community. If you see something, say something. But please, I would just love to see these chambers filled more with residents at our upcoming meetings. It's very important. Public safety is a very important issue, and we all need to be involved, and every single voice matters. So please come and speak to us. Thank you.